Back in the 70s, board games and improv theater had a baby, and it was called the role-playing game. These games allowed a generation of kids to live out their dreams of slaying dragons and saving kingdoms, all while sitting in their bedrooms and basements. Today, gaming has moved into the cultural mainstream, and role-playing games are back with a vengeance. Join us now as five of these former kids come out of the basement and onto the internet to experience adventure, mystery, and obscure pop culture references. It's time for Roll for Combat. Hey there, welcome to Roll for Combat. I'm your GM and host, Steven Glicker. And in this week's show, we have a lot going on. First, we're starting book two of Dead Sons. So this is a perfect opportunity for anyone new to the show to jump right in. We have a big recap of book one and what the adventurers were up to. We have an interview with Jason Keeley from Paizo, where we talk about how he creates a Starfinder adventure path. We talk about Pathfinder version two. We talk about pack worlds and lots more, including a surprise guest at the end. We also have a brand new contest where we are going to be giving away a free trip to PaizoCon. That's right. Free hotel, free airfare, and a badge. All you have to do is listen for details. If you listen to this episode and the next few weeks, and then enter the contest, and you too can win the free trip. Once again, free hotel, free airfare, and a badge. Just listen to the end for details. So many of you are probably new to the show, and I just want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us. Roll for Combat is a Starfinder actual play podcast where we are currently going through the Dead Sun's adventure path. We do plan on playing other things, including Pathfinder, as well as other adventure paths that come out, and maybe even 5e. That's right, there is some talk of us starting a 5e channel. These would all be under the Roll for Combat banner, We would just change the subtitle so you can find everything you need right here. As for those of you worried that you missed the previous episodes, episodes 1 through 24, where the Roll for Combat crew went through book 1, don't worry about it, we have a recap, and we have our voice guy doing the recap. So take it away, Roll for Combat voice dude. The Roll for Combat adventure begins with our four player characters. Hirogi, the Lashunta operative. Rusty, the human envoy. Mo, the Vesk soldier. And Tuttle, the Yoxi mechanic and his battle drone, Cheddar, traveling in a small space shuttle. These four have decided to leave their past lives behind and start a new chapter by joining the Starfinder Society, an organization focusing on unraveling the mysteries of the universe. As the players disembark their shuttle, they soon find themselves caught up in a gang war shootout, and their Starfinder Society contact is killed in the crossfire. After the battle, they meet with their new Starfinder Society contact, a Shirin named Chiskisk. Shocked by the death of the Society agent, Chiskisk gives these recruits their first assignment. Learn how to work together and find out who killed their contact and why. Meanwhile, the station is abuzz with the recent arrival of the derelict ship Acreon, the whereabouts and fate of its missing crew, 
and the nature of the mysterious drift rock the ship brought with it. Rumors and speculation are rampant about this ghost ship and its rock in tow, some saying the Acreon's crew witnessed something significant and were killed to keep it secret, while others saying the entire crew went mad and walked out the airlocks, while others speculating the drift rock contains legendary treasure of lost Galarian, preserved before the planet disappeared. Nobody knows for sure the true story of where this ship came from or what the drift rock contains. Meanwhile, rumors continue, and the Acreon and Drift Rock remain under guarded quarantine. After exploring Absalom Station and pounding the pavement, the players learn that the gang war is actually a proxy war between two powerful factions. The Hard Scrabble Collective, a scrappy mining clan that owns the Acreon, and Astral Extractions, a large corporation that hired the Acreon to explore new worlds for resources. Eventually, our players deal with the gangs and solve the murder, which catches the attention of Gevalarsk Knorr, Eox's ambassador to Absalom Station. He invites the players for a little chat and explains to them that he is currently serving as a mediator between the two warring factions and who owns the rights to Drift Rock. He then offers them a job, explore the Acreon and the Drift Rock and learn what happened to the crew. He also sends a small flying cambot, which is recording their every action during the mission. After upgrading their gear, the players take a shuttle to the quarantined Acreon, but one of the warring factions sends a ship to attack them, giving them their first taste of starship combat. After defeating the small enemy ship and boarding the Acreon, they can find no trace of the deserted mining ship's crew, but they do find the ship infested with alien space dog monsters and opportunistic scavengers, space goblins. Rather than killing them outright, the players befriend the space goblins and the battles with the alien space dog monsters continue, with the goblins by their side. Eventually, all of the alien space dog monsters are defeated and the Acreon is clear, but Rusty and Moe are infected with Void Death a dreadful disease that turns one into a void zombie. Meanwhile, Cheddar suffers an even worse fate. Death. Luckily, Tuttle has become a good friend mascot to the Space Goblins, and they offer to rebuild Cheddar in their image, and Tuttle accepts. After a bit of goblin ingenuity and some mad science, Cheddar is reborn again as Cheddar Mark III. Terrifying mishmash of steel, plastic, unconventionally connected wires, unethically sourced biological matter, broken dreams, and educated guesses. The players are both impressed and horrified at the same time. Meanwhile, Moe manages to fight off the Void Death disease, as does Rusty, sort of. Rusty was about to succumb to the disease and turn into a zombie, when at the last second he was sent some highly experimental Eoxian medpacks from Gevalarsk Nor and managed to pull through. However, Rusty and the crew are starting to wonder if the cure was worse than the disease, as he appears to be partially undead now. After licking their wounds and regrouping, the players continue their explorations on the Drift Rock, which is honeycombed with tunnels and rooms, and learn the final fate of the Acreon's crew. Void zombies galore. They also come across an old nemesis, the female android operative Clara 247, who was first hired to kill the players in ship combat, but failed and ended up crash landing on the drift rock. 
After being defeated a second time, Clara247 joins the players and slowly not only earns their trust, but becomes a valuable member of the team. Hirogi even seems to develop a crush on Clara247. After discovering mysterious metal rooms covered with strange alien symbols, the players learn that the asteroid is incredibly ancient and a fragment of some larger alien structure or artifact, though its exact nature remains an enigma. They also discover the dead body of another person stranded on the drift rock long ago, a female human named Moriko Nash. She left behind a video recording explaining how she was lost in hyperspace and crash-landed on the drift rock over 75 years ago. She asks whoever finds her message to take her ship, the Sunrise Maiden, and continue to explore the stars. Finally, the players find a hidden starship bay and the Sunrise Maiden, but it's being guarded by an extraterrestrial monster, a drift wraith. However, the greed of the players easily overcomes the life of the wraith, and they swiftly defeat the beast and claim their new ship. We pick up now with the players on the Sunrise Maiden, leaving the Drift Rock and the Acreon behind, pondering where to venture to next. So there you go. You can always go back and listen to those episodes if you want, or you guys can just jump right in. This should be a perfect place for anyone new to the show. You don't really need to know what happened in the previous episodes, because each book in the adventure path kind of starts the story anew. So all you need to know is that these guys went on an adventure, and they more or less survived, and now they're going to start another adventure. There you go. So after the actual play part, we have our interview with Jason Keeley from Paizo. He works on the Starfinder adventure paths, and we talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Obviously, Pathfinder version 2 kind of came out of nowhere, Although I had a sneaking suspicion something big was happening because first of all, they redid their website significantly, which was the first time in 14 years, I believe, since they redid the site. And second of all, this week is Gamma, and Gamma is a trade show and where they basically meet all the vendors and tell them what to buy for the upcoming year. So if anything was going to be big and announced, now would be the time. There was no way they were going to be able to keep this secret. So in the future, if you're ever curious, this is a time of year when things sort of get leaked and big announcements come out. Sometimes these are done in secret, so they might be able to get away with a few things here and there at Gamma, but something this big, zero chance. Also, we talk about the new Packworlds book. In fact, he flips through it. We go through the various chapters, and I even have a fun special guest at the end of the interview. Next up, we have the contest to go to PaizoCon. One thing that's very important, this is open to U.S. residents only. Sorry about that. Really can't be flying people from Australia to PaizoCon. But if you live in the U.S. and you want to go to PaizoCon for free with the Roll for Combat crew, and by the way, everyone from Roll from Combat is going to be there. We have a couple of talks. We're going to be playing games. We're going to be hanging out. So you can come to PaizoCon, hang out with us, play games for free. Just listen to the show at the end. We'll give you some instructions, and you too can enter the contest. For those of you who are regular listeners to the show, I usually have some GM and player tips, but because the show is so large, I am going to skip those this week, so we'll have one next week. Finally, I wanted to announce two last things. First of all, this episode actually picks up a little bit later than it should. There was some starship combat that happened right after the guys left the Drift Rock, 
But after two and a half hours of listening to it, and even I was bored, and it only really took about one minute of game time and about two and a half hours of real time, I cut it. It doesn't really affect anything, and in fact they even recapped the combat at the beginning of this episode, so I decided to make an executive decision to cut that combat. Maybe we'll release it as a Laws episode one day, but it really didn't affect the story in any way. It was kind of boring to listen to, and this is a much more interesting start to the adventure. So, for those of you who are completionists, sorry about that. As for the rest of you, yeah, you didn't miss anything. Finally, I want to announce something personal. I just signed the contracts with Paizo, and I am officially developing Starfinder content for Paizo. I'm very excited. This is sort of like one of those things off your bucket list. It's one thing to create content on your own, but it's another thing to officially create content that's going to be canon. I can't talk about what I'm doing, but I will when I can. But right now, all you need to know is I am officially creating content for Starfinder in the future, so you two can play with something I create. And I guess when I'm talking to Jason, I'm talking to a colleague. Kinda neat. Alright, with that, let's get on to the show. So last we left off, you were in glorious space combat where your ship was getting hit over and over and over and over again. And people were frantically throwing their supplies into the life pods, knowing that they were going to have to abandon the ship any minute. And then miraculously, with some lucky shots, you disabled the alien vessel that was attacking you. And yet, instead of surrender, they self-destructed and blew themselves up. Why? You have no idea. Otherwise, you have just left space combat, licking your wounds, realizing you're going to have a hell of a bill to fix your brand new ship. And that's it. Last we left off, we have been in space for like maybe five minutes since you left the Drift Rock, even though this has been taking weeks of real time. What are you going to do? Yeah, we got really lucky hitting that critical hit on the same system, I think, three times. Something ridiculous. John Stats is playing the Vesk soldier, Mo Dupinski. Well, there's nothing to salvage. We established that last time. Um, so I think we should open up comms to see what Absalon Station uh, says. Uh or at least report. I guess, I guess it's standard to report, you know, a space interaction maybe. Um, but I just want to make sure that they're cool with us before we actually go to Absalom Station and then be surrounded like, you know, the the Millennium Falcon go to going to Cloud City and just, oh, wow, they don't like us here. So do we want to consider a white lie and not tell them that we were that we came from the Drift Rock just in case they try to put us in quarantine? Jason McDonald is playing the Soki mechanic Tuttle Blacktail and his drone, Cheddar. Um, I think the lie of omission would probably be better. Uh, actually, no, you know what? We did look at the news feed. I think we did. Um, was there any news? Uh, yeah, what happened? No, you that? didn't. You, you guys haven't. You guys have been out of touch from everything. Oh, that's right. They jammed us. 
Right. They were jamming yeah. when you tried to. You basically okay, so... left. You tried to contact uh, Absalon, and then you were attacked by right. these guys. So can we check to see if we're still being jammed? Yeah. You're not being jammed. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's check the news feed and find out what's going on on Absalom. You what need you to spend a little bit of time? Yeah, yeah, before we go there. I just want to do it before we go there and, like, you know, before just dip our toe in the water to find out, you know, what's going on before we commit ourselves to. Because we can't fight anybody if, like, the security wants to be jerks to us. You know, we're not in a position to fight, I don't think. We don't have any shields. Unless, I don't know. How, how, I mean, how much can we repair on our own with Tuttle, I guess? Not much. Um, basically, the shields will automatically regenerate two per minute. So within, I think, of 60 shields. So in 30 minutes, all your shields will come back. Okay, but when it comes good. to, like, we won't get into that, but, like, long-term repairs, you got to go to a space dock and have them right. fix up your ship. Okay. Um, like, you can all right, patch so... it, which he can do freely now, so he can get everything yeah. working, but it's still, like, anything you had some crits on and hull damage, that has to get fixed. Yeah, like, a few hours' wait is no big deal. I just want... Like, what do you guys think about checking the newsfeed before going to Absalom? I like that idea. Chris Beamer is playing the Lashunta operative Hiroji. Might be uh, good. I mean, do certainly. both at the same time. Head toward Absalom. We can read the news on the way. That's all. Bob Marquis is playing the human envoy Rusty Carter. Cool. So give me. Are they remaking Dune? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, is it? They should do it as a series. I don't want to see any more movies they made from series. these books. There was a series. There was a series. They did it on the Sci Fi Channel. Uh, yeah, but you guys know what I mean. Like a good series. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you. like just uh, so they don't have to cut out out ninety percent of the book just to do the story. I think yeah. somebody posted a story. Gosh, what was what was it? Um, that's coming out in a movie, but it's like a sweeping epic story. Gosh, I forget what what what's what are they making uh, a movie now? Star Wars. No, it was from like a, a classic book or something. Uh, the Expanse is a series. Yeah, see that that correctly should be a series. That should not be a, a movie. Yeah, yeah. But I can't remember what the uh... called Star Trek, which I love the new one. God, it's so good. So I'm saying the director of it is going to be uh, Denis uh, Villeneuve, who did the most recent Blade Runner sequel as well as Arrival. That's good. He's a good director. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Is that going to be a movie? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then it won't be good. <laughs> well, uh, okay. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, disagree. It, I think it's a much more complicated it, story than could be done. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Gosh, there was another book coming out, and I can't remember what the. Uh... I can't believe that was written in like 1965 or something. Dune? Oh, yeah. No, it's great. Did you read all the Dune books? All the one Frank Herbert wrote. Yeah, yeah me too. <sighs> then he died. And then I read one book after by his stupid son and his son's ghostwriter. And 10 to 20 pages in, I went, what the fuck is this crap? And I put it away. So you guys tune in to the Absalon station feeds. You sort of spend a little bit of time scanning the various channels. And then something pops up on one of the channels. And then you realize it's you. 
and you wash it for a little bit and you realize that there's a commercial for the reality TV show Drift <laughs> Rock Quest follow the fabulous five as they continue their efforts scanning through the drift rock what will they uncover who will they see will they survive will they get off find out this week on drift rock quest nice and it's us yeah it turns out that it looks like cambod has been feeding back what you've been doing, and it's been turned into a reality TV show on the network. Uh, <laughs> nobody's going to watch that. That's, that's um, a ridiculous idea. Lawyer, I need to talk to my lawyer. Yeah. Right, we, we, need, we need to get some payment for that now. Yeah, lawyer. Yeah, that's, also, that's why I need a lawyer. This is, we're also in the Inception territory here. It's the podcast <laughs> inside the podcast. Yeah, I'm not telling you guys about my token right now. So it looks like they're like a little bit behind and it's coming up to the episode where you actually find the ship and leave. So it looks like you're right up to almost like up to date with where you were at. So yeah, basically it's the podcast only video form. Wow. You also managed to... Can I find the ratings online? Yes, you can do some quick searches. It turns out the show is insanely popular because everyone wants to know what's going on the Drift Rock. And it turns out if you guys go to your personal channels, you guys are beginning fan mail and marriage proposals and lots of stuff like that. You guys have fans now. Wow. Nice. Okay. Wow, that is awesome. I hope one of these uh, correspondences turns into another adventure. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, at least they're not angry at us. They're, so they don't hate us. There's nothing about the quarantine, though? Uh, no, um, no. You guys are like minor celebrities. You're like, you know, internet celebrities, which really isn't that much. And John, keep in mind, do you hate, say, Kim Kardashian, the situation, anything like that? Just because we're stars doesn't mean we're beloved. Yeah, yeah. I, I love God, we're Jersey Shore. <laughs> I love Jersey Shore. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're, call, you might be, be Sookie. You I'm, might be Snooky or Sookie, whatever that choice. <laughs> okay, I got a little. Now I'm a little concerned. Did somebody hire the ship to attack us for ratings? Oh, yeah. This might be true. And could that Jewish. be why? It could be that why it blew up rather than take prisoners or whatever. Wow, that was really horribly wow. phrased, but you know what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Have to goose the ratings. Have to do a little bit of a uh, little bit of excitement as you leave the rock. Who knows? I guess you can find out. Well, yeah. Okay, I guess it's safe to go to Absalon. So uh, you uh, yeah. you actually contact Absalon Traffic Control, and they hear who you guys are, and they're like. Oh my God, are you guys the Fabulous Five? Are you coming back from the Drift Rock? Like, hold on. And then uh, a few minutes later, you hear, oh yeah, you, you've been cleared for dock and we're actually waiving the docking fees. Come on down. We we can't wait to meet you. Nice. Uh, wow. Oh God. Get Let's... used to this. Yeah. Um. Okay. I, I mean, let's... Yeah, waving I know, fees I, is I, good. I, I don't know if I like everyone knowing my business. Yeah, yeah that's actually where I'm at. I liked my anonymity. <laughs> um, 
the, the money and everybody liking me, that's good. But the anonymity yeah. is well. There's no money in it. We have no money yet. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. pull in. Yeah, let's just go in and. So you managed to spend a few more hours flying through space, flying through the armada, getting to Absalon Station. There's no more attacks. Everything is hunky dory. You get waved into Absalon with Absalon traffic control. You get to the dock, and sure enough, you have no problems. You have actually priority docking in one of the nice docks that's usually like reserved for like celebrities and like private charters and yachts. So you guys know like this is the high life. Like you guys are doing pretty well right about now. Nice. Okay. Um, do I have a chance to to make myself up a little bit? Yeah, of course. You guys have hours. Good, good. Oh, that's right. right. You have that's a right. shoes. Uh, do we have, well, besides what I brought with me, do we have any actual like makeup or touch up on us? No. Okay. I think well, I, have, I brought I some. Don't I have a disguise kit, actually. Yeah, I have several wardrobe options. So, okay, I, I'm wow. gonna I'm gonna dress myself up a bit. Uh, Mo is gonna look like a slob. <laughs> How is that different from any other day? Yeah, That's yeah, fine. he's he's not he's not changing his shirt. <laughs> hey, Meatloaf had a look. That's, That's fine. True. You, you. That's all right. Oh, that's it. Name of the Wind. That's what they're making a movie oh, of. Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. But can you imagine that as a movie? I mean, come no, on. That's... No, it needs to be a series. Exactly. How, how about the Dark Tower? Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Warcraft would have been great as a series. Uh, I don't know. I saw it in the theater. Okay, so you get onto the docking. Do you guys exit? Are you all sussied up and exit the, uh, the ship? I'm wearing my formal clothing. Yeah. I've used my hygiene kit to put a little dab of makeup here and there. Um so yeah i'm ready i got my leather jacket my sunglasses break out the spare lab coat for this yeah i got my uh my match my match stick in my mouth yeah i'm not wearing armor armor looks pedestrian so you guys exit your ship there's a small crowd of onlookers and reporters suddenly track you down you see cameras in your face there's like flashes people are asking for autographs they uh they want to uh ask you questions they want to know what's going on uh what do you guys do i wave to the crowd hey oh of course they're like yeah we recognize oh. anyone oh no definitely not and you hear questions like mo mo are you scared of the dark rusty were you scared of dying Tuttle, what, what do you think of cheddar mark three hiroji are you planning on taking combat lessons or operative lessons <laughs> yeah I, I like mo that to, yeah mo is listening he wants to know too uh i make a diplomacy check i want them all to like me Ooh, you know you what mo is also going to do that oh my oh, goodness you bastard. he rolls a 20 which i'm sure i have minuses on my diplomacy in fact i know i have minuses on my diplomacy I but have a. Oh, actually, diplomacy. no, it's unmodified. Rolls is 16. I have an 11 oh, charisma. God, you beat my diplomacy roll. Okay. Um, you guys are <laughs> smoozing with the media. I'll sign some autographs. They're actually taking photos with you, they're giving you vouchers for some free drinks at some of the local bars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are yeah, exactly. We like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and suddenly. It gets, I guess, word gets out, and a rush of groupies come to swarm you. 
It looks oh, like. Oh, that's good. Oh, and by the way, uh, Torsa and Clara, they're eating it up too. They're also part of this uh, gang, if you don't forget. And they're just, they're just like. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, Torsa <laughs> loves it. He's just like, he's talking to everyone. And he looks like he's like juggling and like doing weird acts. And Clara's being all business-like, but you can see a secret smile going on in the corner of her mouth, and she's liking it. Oh, there goes our uh, henchman. Oh, by the way, so here, here comes here comes the groupies, and looks like uh, groupies... You'd also be ever chased around to do one of those. Wait for it. Uh, we got, let's see, it looks like uh, Tuttle gets swarmed by goblins. Oh, yeah, oh, that's God. about right. That's about right. Oh, yeah. lovely. <laughs> because two of them were in Yosoki. Yosoki and Goblins are swarming Tuttle and, and Cheddar. Everyone wants a, wants a picture with Cheddar, by the way. Everyone's getting pictures with Cheddar. Um, Rusty has a lot of undead. They're just all swarming Uh-oh. over Rusty. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, stinky. And humans. And humans. Lots of undead. Lots of undead. Uh, can... Wait, wait. I made myself up to look purely human. Yeah, but you yeah. know, that's like putting a silk hat on a pig. Yeah, it's, it's like a... 18 charisma human. Let, let's... Okay, yeah. hold oh, on. No, these I, are like pretty to, uh... undead. These are the, oh. the nice-looking Yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. That's Dude, you're fine. like Terminator at the end of the f- film. That's what you are right now. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, I want dun. Mary Sue, not Elvira. All right? <laughs> They're both attractive, but... You got some humans you know... in there, too. I'm just giving dun, you, dun, like, the majority. Uh, Mo gets sort of the outcast vests. You would call them, you know, like losers, geeks. You know, your people ah, wait, wait, wait. that really wait. haven't found a good place in society, and you know, don't really know what to do with their lives. And they all seem to be looking the up front of the mill vest. All uh, off beta vest cough. Hiroji, you get the children of all ages. They all love you. Oh, good. They uh, all look up to you and can um, understand your plight because they too have lots of problems, you know, doing simple things. Yeah. Yeah. Someone someone at least can relate to Hiroji. Yeah. (laughs) They trip all the time. They don't have good balance. Yeah. Well, Mo's going to uh, sign all the autographs and uh, accept all the free drinks. Uh, However, we need to get paid. Getting paid. Um, were there what? credits on the broadcast? What do you mean credits? Yeah. Produced that's... by, directed by. Oh yeah. Oh, that's kind of credits. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Fremulon at the end. Yep. Who, who who's the producer of our show? The producer. Please don't. You know the producer. Please don't. Everyone knows me. the producer. Oh God. It's Zoe. Zoe what? Make it that's Zoe. his name. Zoe. Do you want to see what he looks like? Yes. Oh, that's not a PC and NPC who we've met before. Oh, no, nice. No. <laughs> that's no, funny. Oh, it's one of uh, Rusty's guys. Yeah. Oh, I like him. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Zoe has a tremendous media empire. He has been on air for almost a million continuous hours, which is something impressive since the beginning of the um Station. time of recorded time it's only been about two million hours so he's been on almost half of all time since you guys woke up well he's probably got multi-channels though so well he's he, also he, on dead yeah. zoe is one of the biggest and most popular broadcasters sorry he's literally the biggest and most popular broadcaster in the core systems yeah he has that's right. Uh, that's right. Since the gap, there's been about 2.7 million hours, and he has over a million hours confirmed camera time. Wow. 
He Okay, Steve, I, there's no way I can be polite about this. So I'm going to have to be blunt. Now, did you actually pull this out of the Dead Sun campaign, or did you actually figure out a way to put Vic Fontaine in our goddamn story? Ah. This is actually from <laughs> the game. That's a good author. That's actually a very good... Uh, I, uh, that's pretty cool. It's Zoe actually. with an exclamation point. It's, it's swear to God, and in fact, the very next Starfinder Society mission, 1.9, you actually go on a game show for Zoe. This is real. Wow. <laughs> that is awesome. A reality show. That's uh, the adventure. We, well, we're not going to probably talk to... And John, Com- and John Compton's writing it. Well, we're not going to probably talk to Zoe. We'll probably talk to someone in his production company about this. Uh, is I assume the production company is on the station... Zoe, uh, he's everywhere. He's actually Eoxian, so he's probably on Eox. But you have no idea. That's like trying to see when to talk to Ted Turner, but it's his company. So, But okay, I can but... look up the local office of yeah, TNT. Yeah, I can look up the local office of Turner Broadcast. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, Zobias or whatever, you know, his his network is, they have offices here on Absalon Station. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have offices everywhere. He's, uh, he's, he's a gigantic uh, Mongol. He's a... Now this 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 camera is still following us, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, the camera. The camera was uh, Nor's camera. Uh-huh. Well, we should, we should go see our patron now. Yeah, we should should get we should get paid first because that's our job is to. Well, get I want to fi- I want to find out what happened to the ship that had our stuff on it too. Yeah. Well, I think the same person is going to have the same. Uh, it's right. going to be the same guy's going to have all the answers. It, there's yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Let's go see Nor. That's fine. So it turns out Nor's like the casting director. Okay. <laughs> Um, is there any oh, way I can man. pick up some cool shades on the way to Nor? Yeah. To wear and look good. Yeah. Okay. I have I have shades on now currently. I, I know, yeah, and I, I need some. I mean, you're jealous of that look. I got the hat. I got the fedora. So huh. I, I think I, completely separately. I kind of enjoy the fact that finger guns have made the uh, made their way into this alternate universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel better about the future already. I put on a little show for the kids. I pull out my grenades and start juggling them. <laughs> I know. I know how you think that I put this in. It's it's in the campaign. Tuttle's uh, just uncomfortable with all this uh, unwanted attention and people yeah. touching chatter. It's just yeah. not his thing. Yeah, uh, Zoe is he's really funny. All right, so you guys get some cool shades, you clean yourself up, you wade through the crowd, you give some preliminary interviews. Everyone seems to love Mo and Rusty. How can they not? Tuttle just gets a million pictures, and Hiroji is just playing with the kids. Yeah. You guys all go to meet with Gebelask Noor. Once again, you show up at the scary, impressive headquarters. And you are actually allowed to go right in because he appears to have been expecting you. And he says, everyone, come in, come in. Torsa and Clara, if you can please wait outside while I Ah, speak to the fabulous five. I think Mo's going to take his traditional seat. Fabulous five. I love how Cheddar's now been upgraded to a full party member out of all of (laughs) I caught that. Most importantly, are there refreshments available for us? Oh, yes. Please make okay. yourselves the fantastic, the fantastic Four, or the four of them, Herbie, is was only on the cartoon on the side. He's not a member. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but everyone loves Cheddar. It sort of became who's going to be the fifth wheel. So 
you know. Cheddar is a <laughs> cheddar is a meme. Cheddar might just muscle some one of us out of the group. <laughs> if it was the fabulous four, one of you would have been left out, and it definitely would not have been Cheddar. Oh. It's, it's Cheddar's world. Oh, We're all man. just living in it. We're all playing for fourth Cheddar place. and his amazing friends. Is that the name of the show? I must prefer. We actually would just be the Cheddar friends. Well, <laughs> Instead Mo of the super friends. Mo rolled his 20 for diplomacy, so he doesn't have to worry about uh, being muscled out. You know, it's like the Beatles. Who's the fifth Beatle? Billy Shears. Oh, nice. Okay, so, uh, Nor, you have some splaining to do, I believe. Um, what was that deal with the uh, ship returning early? Oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to scare you with that, but I saw you manage to, you know, get my cargo, and I knew you would find a way home. Either I would send something to pick you up, or you would find method to come home on your own, which you did. Well done. Well done. I have all your supplies, and as you call them, dog nuggets all awaiting in your quarters i had them all delivered and they're waiting for you nothing funny was going on sorry about that yeah i mean it would have been nice to get a heads up on that because it was rather uh troubling to see our ship that we needed to get back home fly off oh but it made for good ratings yeah and about that yeah Well, how much of this arbitration business was actually real, or was it all a setup for this show that you put us on? Oh, no. It was completely real. But when word got out about the recordings, we were watching them in the office, and Zoe was walking by. And he thought, hey, let's do something with that. And we threw it up on the Infosphere, and one thing led to another, and now you're famous. What's so bad about that? Oh, God, we're a viral video. Did you ask our permission first? Yes, I have your permission here. Didn't you notice the papers you signed when you joined Starfinder (laughs) Society? Uh, Who read the papers? I assumed Rusty was going to read the papers. That's not my department. Not my department at all. Rusty, what's going on with the papers? (laughs) Exactly. I just Uh, made made my mark on the papers. I just put an X. Yes. According to the papers, your likeness and use of your face and everything associated with it is property of society when you're on society business, including any profits you might have earned. I hear the society has been quite happy with you as your ratings have gone through the roof and you've been able to generate tremendous amounts of income for the society. Um, OOC, I'm fairly certain I didn't sign my own name on the Starfinder Society. Oh, yeah, it's not by name. Wanna... It's by DNA and retina scan. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, didn't I also give someone else's DNA? Oh, yes, that old trick. It didn't work. Oh, good it, Lord. Actually, um, that's true with um, Rusty has... Uh, check Rusty's DNA. DNA. It may have changed. It's probably different. It yeah. Probably different. That's an interesting point as well. Uh, If you tested my DNA now, it would probably not match what you have on file. Oh, it actually will match for a while at least. (laughs) Uh, That is until the transformation is complete. Is is there any way of reversing that? I Rusty's no, been no, no, let's let's not worry about that right now. All right, Um, yeah. I think what's most important is, of course, let's talk about profitability. 
Yes, yes. And he pulls out some cred sticks. You did an excellent job. You provided endless entertainment. You managed to get my cargo. You all survived, sort of. And you even made some friends and got a new ship. What more would one want? Here you go. 600 credits each for completing your task. And another 500 credits each for bringing back my cargo. Thank you very much. I'm curious, what was what is that cargo? Just out of curiosity. Oh, nothing you need to worry about. <laughs> we knew that. Oh, so now getting back to this whole uh, celebrity business, um, are we entitled to any kind of profits sharing from the proceeds of the program? Absolutely not. Oh. It all goes to the Starfinder Society. Again, they are extremely happy with you as they've been having many, many hard times ever since, oh, you know, the incident. I'm sure those funds were well needed, as well as the much-needed publicity to help rebuild the society. I'm sure they'll be very happy with you. Hmm. Uh, what happens to the uh, meteor? Um, what is it? Meteor? No, it wasn't a meteor. It's a... Asteroid. The Drift Rock? Drift Rock, yeah. Oh, the Drift Rock. So, although it has no real effect, I'm curious, who did you felt had the upper hand in the negotiations? Who should I side with? Astral Extractions or the Hard Scrabble Collective? Oh, Astral. We, I don't believe, are of one mind on that. Yeah, I think we might be even split. I was with Astral Extractions because they had a much better concierge table yeah they had they gave him donuts therefore yeah there's donuts danishes freshly squeezed orange juice they had coffee um they had the whole spread okay oh, that's getting okay. back to smart people each uh, of you tell me what did you think uh, i thought that the hard scrabble collective i respected the fact that they met us with their own leadership they treated us you know with respect to our abilities and to the danger we were going through we weren't treated as underlings we weren't treated by underlings i was very pleased with the fact that we met them on their own home ground and not in some boring little office uh, i feel like two things stood out to me First, is the, I read the contract, and the contract specified that Astral Extractions was only hiring them to map systems. They weren't hiring them for any sort of salvage they brought back. So that would, that would sort of indicate that the Drift Rock was their property that they happened to find. The other thing is just more, you know, on a big picture level, they paid for that rock with the lives of their crew. So I think their families are entitled to whatever profits come of it. Very good point. That's the hard scrabble, right? The hard scrabble, yes. We have to consider, though, that you know the astral extractions are a powerful multi-conglomerate company. I know that. He asked my opinion, so that's my opinion. I mean, I'm just worried that if we make enemies of them and being so pu public now. You're the uh, deciding vote, though. And you're voting with cowardice and fear? Eh, I've always wanted to, to stick up for the underdog. I say we go with the hard scrabble. And just to put things Three on to an even one. keel, uh, Mo, I promise I'm going to get you donuts tomorrow. Good ones. I will hold you to that. By good ones, you mean crispy. If you vote for the, if you vote for the hard scrabble, you mean crispy cream, is. right? Not not dumpling. If you vote for the hard scrabble collective, now I'd love it. To oh be no, no, no! I don't need to. It's I'm losing three to one, so 
It's, I know. Uh, it's nice to be anonymous, though. It's what's Cheddar's, Constellation Donuts? What's Cheddar <laughs> say? No. Yeah, Cheddar, yes, what's Cheddar, Cheddar say? Cheddar going to vote? Cheddar is actually the tiebreaker. <laughs> no, Cheddar, well, Cheddar is not programmed with voting protocols. Cheddar wait, has wait, no wait. analysis of contractual Ru- law. Rusty, are you voting for... Hard Scrabble. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, three, I don't, I don't trust three to one. Three to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah three I, to one, I, know, I know, John. Yeah, hard scrabble one. Nora looks at you and says, "Hmm, interesting points all. Well, I will be putting in my final verdict later today. I'm sure you'll hear about it on the news. I do appreciate all the work you've done for us, and I apologize if you found the broadcast a little surprising." However, I feel you will get much benefit from it. And in the long run, it will be a good thing for you and the society. And with that, I must leave you, as I have lots of work to do. Please see yourselves out. I'm sure we will be in touch sometime in the near future. Oh, and Rusty, one other thing. Yes. I normally would have charged you for all those extra healing packs I gave you. But since, well, you know, I've decided you're going to pay enough of a price. We'll keep in touch as I want to see your progress, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, let's, let's talk about that at another time. That's just fine. Oh, don't worry. It's all good. People love Yoxians. <sighs> there you go. Does that mean you're immortal now? Oh, yes. Yes, it, it does. Is, <laughs> is there a stench? No. I put some uh, cologne on when we were in the ship. Oh, that's the nice thing about being undead. Our sense of smell is really not that good anymore. Mm, but mine is, so. Yeah, even so. That's Downwind. Fine. Oh. Anyhow, I'll see you out. And Mr. Mo here. And he pulls out. For all of you, a gift basket with the finest fruits and chocolates and delicacies. And he's like, I had some special Vesk ones brought in just for you, Mo. Uh, He does a uh, full bow of uh, deference and accepts the gift. Um, And he's going to take the things that look tasty before he gives them to the rest of the guys. (laughs) Oh, no, you each get your own gift bag. Oh, we oh, each yeah. get our own. Okay. And they actually each are Is built. He hand- yeah, he hands them out, and you can tell that they have a variety of things in there, but there's actually delicacies for each of your races and your home. Oh, race. oh okay. Great. That's okay. wonderful. Ah, nice. very good. We got it. Oh, hey, this is well, better. Who, who needs products for you, this. Cheddar? And he gives them some high-grade motor oil. <laughs> Synthetic <laughs> nice. motor oil. Cheddar beeps and boops like R two D two. It's more like the it's more like the bath that C three PO had. I think we should head back to our quarters before they get broken into. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes, since you mentioned about that, you put things in our quarters. We understand there was a quarantine lockdown on them for some reason. Oh yes, we saw that. Funny thing, how you managed to find one of those rare. Loot boxes. I still have mine. Those loot boxes are extremely rare and quite random. It appears you got one of the more interesting items. That allows you to do a town portal back to civilization. 
it only lasts for a day and only works for you. And sorry about setting off those alarms. I took care of it once I saw what happened as I was watching your feed. You won't have to worry about that. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. All right, um, let's, head, let's head back to our, yeah, our lodging. Let's, yeah, let's get back there. And by the way, John, I, or Mo, I respect, you know, the respect you showed him. I understand it's part of the Vesk Warrior Code that you only bow to an enemy who defeats you or someone who gives you croissants. Yeah, it's a big fruit. It's a food basket. Are you kidding me? We who are about to eat salute you. Yes. <laughs> you actually get back to your head, your, um, your hotel. And as you get into the hotel, Torsa and Clara, they come with you. Torsa says to you, he says, ah, well, you know, I've had so much fun with you guys, but, you know, I'm getting so many offers to join so many new triumphants that I really have to take them up on it. So I will always be part of your clan with Cheddar and Tuttle and the rest of you. And don't forget <laughs> about using them grenades, Hiroji. And you big green oh, yeah. guy, you you like goblin, only not. And Rusty, you really need a bath. <laughs> Other than that, I wish you all good luck in your future. May the junk lasers never go bad for you. Ah, yes. Good luck to you as well, friend. Goodbye, Torsa. If you have any more crazy ideas about Cheddar 4.0, so feel free to send them along. Yeah. Feel free to email me. Torsa's probably rich now because he didn't actually sign away his uh, li- uh, you know, rights to the... That's a good point. Oh, man. Wait a minute. Did the person who tried to kill us twice, Clara, just profit by the whole experience? Oh, Clara, on I the other sure hand, she she's like, I have to say, fellas, this didn't start off so great. But it sure ended nice. Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice for you. Traditional right, for sure. courtesy. I'm getting so many offers now, I don't even know what to do with them all. I'm going to retire uh, very, very wealthy. Wow. Wow. Must be nice, Claire. Uh, it's a good thing I didn't kill you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that 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 was happy ending. Um, we're in our yeah, court. She are looks we... at you one last time, and she says... And she looks at uh, Hiroji and says, Hiroji, for always sticking up for me, here's a little present. And she pulls an Aeon Stone out of her head and flicks it towards you. And you catch it. And she's like, that's for you, fellow operative. You're okay. And the rest of you guys, sorry about trying to kill you, but you guys are okay too. I'll see you around. You're the best. Thank you. Mo waves happily. Goodbye. Outstanding. All right. An ion stone. <laughs> wow. That goes in the kitty. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, oh, no question no, about no, that. No, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To no, me. No. Group loot. That is so group loot. Uh, no, I, I, I actually, yeah, I don't think we could. It's probably an operative thing. What, what, well, what is that exactly? If it were given to somebody games. else. Would you expect it to be group loot? No. It would be whoever was the possessor of the item. That's what you're saying. If somebody gives yeah, me something, yeah. you don't expect to cut. Uh, if it's if it's credits, I expect to cut. Oh, so you're saying there's there's a little a line here. Well, there is. Well, what what is this thing exactly? First, what's what does it do? 
Is it you magic? know what this is. It's, it's a floats. clear spindle ion stone. Those are pretty cool. They allow you not having to eat or drink. They basically give you subsidence, which is now you know how she was able to live on the drift rock for like two weeks before you wow. found her. She didn't need to breathe because she's an android. Right. She didn't need to eat because she had the ion stone. Nice. So it's like it's a it's a it's sustenance. It does explain a few things. Yeah, I forgot what that was called in Pathfinder, but it basically just feeds you automatically. They had a ring that did that. It was a yeah, ring. Yeah. Um, gosh, I I considered getting it too because it's just a cool thing to have. I'm guessing un, undead don't eat. Yeah, it's a clear spindle iron stone. They're very cheap. They're only 245. You could buy one. It basically sustains you by negating the need for food or water. But that's it. You just basically yeah. never need to eat. It's a ring of that. sustenance, basically. Yeah, ring exactly. of sustenance. That's yep. all it is. They're cheap. You can buy one. Yeah, that it suits him. Anyhow, you go back to your quarters. Sure enough, it is filled with all the stuff from the ship. So you doggy nuggets, all your doggy nuggets. Um, well, anything else you had on the ship, all of your gear, if you yeah, had gear. So I'll go through all that with you. Um, even and don't forget, you actually even on your ship. Your other ship, the um, the Sunrise Maiden, you had trade goods while you were spending time. You, I'm going to say, you went through them, and you had probably maybe two thousand credits worth of trade goods that are old but still probably worth something. And you also had those unusual art objects that you took from the cave that are worth a couple thousand as well. So, oh yeah, that's good. So if we were to like add it all up and liquidate all of it. What, what, do you know what that total number would be? Yeah, give me a sec. I actually am going to do the math for you okay. guys. So five dollars. Is that, is that something you want to do yeah. now? Or yeah, I, I mean, you guys, okay. I want to buy. Sounds good. I already got my list, so it'll be quick for me. You guys are leveled up. You're back to civilization. You got yeah. a ton of money. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wrote down what I want, so it's it's fine. Cool. I have a I have like a kind of sort of prioritized list, and I'll just kind of see how much money we have and kind of start going down it. Yeah, like how much can you spend on cheddar? I assume that's your chief expenditure. Actually, I don't think I can. I think cheddar is mostly just mods and maybe upgrade his weapons. But oh, actually, really? This this time Nothing around costs money, and you can upgrade him at will. You can just basically mm. twenty four hours. You can just change him. Um, the only thing that costs money is weapons. Oh. Wow. That's a lot of money. Not really. Yeah. Well, we'll find out how much the uh, ship repairs are going to be. That's, yeah, like I said, that's a lot. Uh, Rusty, or Bob, what's uh, what did you decide? What do you think you're going to be buying? Uh, very simple. I have to talk to some medical professionals, and then I'm buying grenades. That's it. I'm done. Oh, really? You're, you're really going to try to get rid of that undead? Uh... Um, uh, no reason to go into details. I'm just going to okay. talk to some medical professionals. That's, That's hilarious. Well, that could cost you a lot. Um, but ironically, it probably won't. Well, we'll see. Now I'm going to get uh, armor, and I'm going to get a pike. That is my. That's going to be my melee weapon of choice. I'm going to put down the hammer and get a pike. Hmm. Uh, um, because that uh, that Dosh, Doshko, the uh, the the Vesk weapon that does one to twelve uh, physical, it, it's it's unwieldy. 
And the problem with that is that I can't cleave with it and I can't make any attacks of opportunity with it, which kind of sucks because I took cleave. I took cleave. I mean, um, and the pike, it has reach. It has reach, and that is going to be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, So, and I can't do attacks of opportunity with that. All right, let's go through a few things. So you sold, if you sell all the cocoon scraps, all your UPBs, get all the credits that you found, and sell the unusual art objects, the trade goods, and then your rewards for the package and exploring the drift rock, that is what you come back with. I just divided it. I mean, it was actually 16,970 credits, and then just divided it by four. So with that, there's a few things. Flame pistol. It's worth 47 if you sell it. I think Hiroji has it. Worth what? 47. If you want to keep it or not. 47 credits? I guess we just keep it, right? Yeah, I I, I vote that we keep all the equipment. Archimeter? You want to keep that? Yeah. Keep it all. Just throw it on the ship. Detonators. Keep, keep it. it. The disruptive fusion seal. That was the thing that was fifth level. That was very... It worked on exactly one weapon in the whole game. Yeah, that one we may sell. Unless, I don't know, we might as well keep it. How how much does it sell for? 79.2 credits. Yeah. Do you guys mind if we just keep all that? Just keep it, fine. Yeah. Yeah, the the selling doesn't really work. Backup generators, flare gun. Were those detonators, does that come with the explosives? No, you attach a detonator. You could detonate any grenade. They're basically for grenades. You could turn a grenade into a bomb. That's how it works. Oh, interesting. How many did we have of that? You have two of them. And Um, Rudy has one. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, Yeah, they just just are cool. They just make, they can basically make a grenade and turn them into a bomb that goes off in certain ways. You could do it based on time, press a button. I think you could even do like noise or something. It's kind of cool. You make a trap out of it. Does it get destroyed or is it? Uh, I don't know, actually. I think it does. I think it's a one-time use thing. I thought it was like a remote control It is, thing. but I still think it's one-time use because it's like part of it you have to destroy to use it. So they're cheap. Yeah, if it hooks up to They're a 150 grenade, each. I mean, they're not that expensive. You have the goblin grenades. You have one lesser, bo- lesser bo- loot box of wonder, um, static art pistol, and the repairs on the ship. Since you guys are celebrities... And since you've done such a good job that the Starfinder Society said they're going to foot the bill and have your ship repaired. Wow. That's awesome. How much was the bill? A couple thousand. Oh, okay. And the average profits from a hit series on Absalon Station, how much is that per episode? A lot. Who knows? A lot. (laughs) No, it's not as much. You know what? You guys are nothing. You guys are doing like scale. So yeah. it's a YouTube channel. You know how much you know, how <laughs> yeah. much people make on reality shows? Right. Garbage. Yeah, yeah, absolute garbage. Well, um, yeah, we got to turn it into something like Kim Kardashian. Use our brains. Well, the winner of Survivor gets a million dollars. The true. rest of them get dick. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to put. I'd like to put a motion on the floor to purchase one thousand healing serums. Actually, no, a thousand credits of healing serums, which is twenty heals, uh, just for the party, so that we don't argue. I, I did a lot of research into healing serums. 
there's no equivalent of a wand of healing of cure light wounds. Nope. The game just doesn't have that. And unfortunately, these healing serums, uh, they are all light in bulk. So each, when we get 10 healing serums, counts as one. It counts as a bulk. And so if we spend each 250 in that, um, we have two bulk worth of healing that well, I can carry, but it uh, depends on whether or not you guys want to do that. Well, the only thing I'd wonder is, do we want to consider stepping up to the Mark II healing serums? No, because I've actually looked into that as well. They're far, far less um, efficient. Bang for the buck. Well, well, yeah, way cheap. You, you heal more. You heal more, Jason's got a... They're 3 d Yeah, in so fact... It's good to have them in combat for out-of-combat yeah. healing. It's better to drink three of the Mark ones. Okay. For right. a cost. No, you're right. That makes sense. But actually, Jason, you have a point that I didn't even think about. If we each get one of those, that might be good for on-the-spot you know, emergencies. Yeah, I think you do want to have a couple of them just in case. Yeah. Um, well, that's... But I, I, I have... I basically can carry them. Or get real armor. Did you list our... No, I'll get real armor. I'm getting a huge upgrade to my armor. Did yeah, you list uh, our, um, our our money somewhere? Yeah, it's in the Discord. It's where you insisted information goes. Uh, Roji has 4,600. Why do I always have less? Because you contributed uh, the least out of all of us. Yes, that's right. You actually bought a whole bunch of things. You bought <laughs> um, serums. You bought drinks. That's you true. Bought smoke I do. grenades, two frag grenades, four Mark One healing serums, two binders, a disguise kit, a hacking kit, navigator tools. Yep. Um, Geiger counter, fifty foot of line, tita, titanium alloy, um, and other Geiger counters. <laughs> you you bought a lot of stuff. So I did. I did. I remember. And all those all those kits and everything, yep. So yeah, you have about seven hundred, six, eight hundred less than everyone else because you got stuff. So anyhow, yeah, there you guys go. Let me know what you expect to do and buy. I, uh, I know what I want already. Two thousand nine hundred and seventy credits. I'll take the Lashinta Ringwinner too. What is that armor? It's armor, yeah. I have that's basically the armor. I have one right now. It, it, it's it's an upgrade. Rusty's carrying a pretty fancy pistol these days. Oh, my pistol? Yeah, it's good. Pretty fancy. It has the same bulk as what I'm wearing now. Doesn't change my movement, but it hugely upgrades my armor. I should take a look at some armor, maybe. Bulk two, one upgrade slot. It's basically exactly the same, except whoa, an eight, ten armor bonus, level five. Yeah. A little bit better. A little bit better. More than a little. It's double. <laughs> it's the it's doubles my armor bonus. That's a huge upgrade. All right, what else? Yeah, and the weapon I'm going to use is the Pike Tactical. I'm not using the Dosh Kogue because it doesn't uh, let me do attacks of opportunity and I can't cleave with it. So the Pike Tactical um, for 475 credits gives me reach and I do 1 to 8 damage with it. And it's a uh, piercing weapon. Yep. Crazy. And I assume I still have my artillery laser, azimuth artillery laser. 
Yeah, you still have all your others. Yeah, I still have that. And that's basically what I'm going to carry. The healing serums. Um, oh, and for the upgrade, I'm going to have the InfraVision upgrade for 200 credits. I'll be able to see 60 feet with InfraVision. Wait, what am, what am I wearing right now in terms of armor? Something crappy, right? Aztec suit one? Yeah, you had something with a upgrade slot in it. And that's what I'm getting. I'm not getting it. Oh, well, also the healing serums. So when you sell stuff, you get nothing for it, right? Pretty much. Pretty much. 10%. Ugh. All right, so you have infrared sensors, the Pike Tactical, and your Lashinta Ringwear too. What else? Anything else? That's it. Oh, well, the healing serums. Okay, so do you guys object to the party spending that money on healing serums? So I mean, gonna... I am going to use the bulk of them, but rather than argue who's... So you're saying we all spend for group healing serums? Yes. Like, I'll carry them, but anybody can use them. Yeah, that's fine. Well, okay. Just tell me what you're buying. How many of them are you buying? All right, so I give, I give Mo... 250 okay. credits. So, all right. So everyone gives me 250 credits Fine. and I'm going to buy right. 20 of them. And then I'm going to buy the Mark II healing. What What's the highest level items we can buy? Five. Five. So two above. So okay. you're going to buy 20 Mark Ones. How many uh, Mark Twos? Uh, one. Just one? Okay. Just Any one. spell amps or spell gems? Nope. 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 Spells are... Actually, more expensive healing. <laughs> I don't know why they don't. Uh, yeah, so that's fine. That's it. Mo is done. I need a new gun. Rusty, can we talk? Uh, about what? I don't understand what you want. I want that gun you have over there that you're not very good at. You mean my gun? Dude, guns are cheap. Well, how, how much are They're you offering so me cheap. For? How much are you offering me for this gun? I can give it to you... Gosh, 95% of its regular cost. Nine. I'll give you 1,000 credits. Sold. No, I will not give you 1,000 credits. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How much? What do you have? You have an arc pistol or something, right? I think so. Let me look at my sheet. I need a better gun because my gun's soft. Yes, I have a static arc pistol. It's just a level two. It's not that impressive. Yeah, it does. one that actually hits. Yeah. Don't forget, I'm trying to help you guys. There is that thing that you can buy. How much is it? I forget, but that will give you a plus two to one of your stats. It's pretty cheap. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I did look at that once. What is that again? Uh, so how much is an augment, by the way? They're all over the place. It did Steve, did you say that was an augment? No, it's not an augment. I mean, augments are, there's tons of cybernetics. Yeah, because I looked at the augments. I didn't think anything was... Uh... Well, I wanted to get Dark Vision augment. How much does that cost? 200 That's it? Well, no, 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 no. I got the... It's 1750 for the augmentation, 200 for the armor upgrade. Yeah, but the armor upgrade uses a slot, so... But that's yeah. true, actually. It's 200 though. <laughs> like, like the Dark thing Vision you... capacitors will replace your eyes to allow you to see in total darkness giving you dark vision with a range of 60 feet yeah they are level three standard for 1750 credits yeah you can basically give yourself a plus two a plus four and a plus six that's it there's you can't take more than one of those yeah ever. 
Oh man. Personal uh, upgrades. Mark one personal upgrade level three gives you a plus two to anything you want. One thousand four hundred credits. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. It's on page two twelve, and we can get one for per character or one per uh, stat. One per stat. So, in other words, you can. Oh man, that's crazy! Wow. But you yeah. can get up to three personal upgrades. Right, but they have to be different. You can get a Mark One, Mark Two, Mark Three, but they have to go to different slots. Yeah, I get it. You can only do the Mark One because level because the Mark Two yeah. is level seven, so you can't do that one anyhow. So if I get a Mark One for strength, that does that mean that later on I can't get a Mark Two? No, for you can upgrade it to a Mark okay. Two. Okay. And actually, you can pay the difference between the Mark One and the Mark Two to upgrade it. So if you get the fourteen hundred, actually has that as an example, you can just pay the difference, which is sixty-five minus fourteen. Now it's a Mark Four, and then you can get a Mark One for some other stat. The Mark Three is seventy-five thousand credits, so it goes from fourteen hundred to sixty-five hundred. <laughs> how much? Seventy-five thousand. Uh, how, how much gold does uh? Uh, Mo have after he spent on his uh, pike and uh, armor. Making me work. Hold on. Actually, boy, it's going to be close. Actually, I don't think I can afford it. Eight hundred and five. Now, oh, really? Yeah, eight hundred five oh. credits. Now, if you get if you don't buy the healing mark two serum, you still don't have enough. You have twelve thirty. Yeah. Yeah, you won't have that's, enough. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. If you get rid of the infrared sensors, those are only two hundred. Well, then you would have 1,430. Oh, wow. Now, if you do it to your main stat, you also get another resolve point. Oh, wow. Will you be mad if I do that? No, I haven't done anything yet. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, let me, let me, yeah, let me do that then. I, I, I had no idea that item that's even why, existed. That's why I brought it I up. I looked for it. I didn't know how to search for it. So you're going to be doing that on your charisma, right, Mo? <laughs> he doesn't need to do that he rolls 20 for his diplomacy check so uh i think i'll just throw it away on my uh strength stat yeah i need to bring my strength up that actually gives me another carrying capacity believe it or not that doesn't suck don't forget your decks you need armor class uh my decks is pretty good my decks i know but every two is one point of armor class so what kind of force field do I have? So I have a force field, right? Crappy one, I think. Yeah, you have the brown one, which is like one point. Yeah, it takes up two slots. Boy, my dex actually helps out with the ship, too. But I don't get a resolve point pumping up my dex. Yeah, that's fair. That, that, that's important to me. Yeah, I still. Yeah, that's a good point, because I do need a dex to help me in space combat. Are you changing yours at all, Rob? Bob? Rob? Uh, I emailed you my purchases. Oh, I know, but are you changing it? No. You change it. Is that what you, that's your final, is that your final answer? A uh, few basics. Oh, and what I, uh, I am due about. Just give me any yes. dollar amount for that. That's okay. fine. Horse field purple. Ooh, I want that. But I can't <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's expensive. How many slots is that? Two. Oh, that's it? Shit. Oh, yeah, but what was that? Level nineteen or something ridiculous? Level, it's level six. Oh. but it's forty-five hundred credits. And it's I, I stay with the brown. 
your I like your I like your infrared sensor idea though. Yeah, I know, dude. I don't know if that brown's gonna do you much. Well, well I, I have one. It's so it's not um Yeah, it's true. That's true. But it's only two hundred credits for infravision. I mean it's basically free. Yeah. I mean I do have a quick release sheath I could attach, but I think sensors are, for me, yeah. I need to be able to see in the dark totally. Yeah, it's it's been you, you can't so see in the important. dark. Oh nope. Oh, that's yeah. weird. I mean, for a, th- a thiefy rogue kind of character, you always have to. It's a, it's a requirement as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, as far as equipment, I mean, I did glance through this, though not extensively. As far as I can understand it, starting around fifth or sixth level, the way the money scales is where we can actually start getting very creative with the equipment. At this point, though, it's kind of still basic necessities. So. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like my melee. Scale's really weird. It scales like really high, but everything gets super expensive. It's like a very. Uh, I kind of like it that I like don't World need of Warcraft to buy. scaling. <laughs> to be honest. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. You you need to go up several levels before you can get the things that make you worth several levels. I don't know. Yeah, I got a huge armor upgrade. I'm gonna get a huge armor upgrade I, also. I'm, I understand. I got a few nice things. I'm and fine. this and this weapon giving uh, having reach is gonna be so good. Oh my goodness. Especially that is for a melee, for you. Uh, I, I can like you don't want to be anywhere near those things that want to hurt you. We know that. Yes, and when they they have to take a five foot step to get through to get to me, that's good. That's a good thing. Now watch the next adventure be all range weapons. <laughs> oh sure, or all flying creatures, or they all tunnel from up from underground. Yeah. Just come I like up the mix feet. that we've had sure. so far, though. I do like. It's been not all lasers, which was I was worried about. They've done a really good job with uh, mixing it. Even it's it's actually less range than uh, than even what I thought. Speaking of range, I need a new pistol. Does someone want to lend me money? No. Uh, I believe I have thirty nine credits left over. <laughs> Let me rephrase. I don't think I even have that. But... <laughs> Does yeah. Rusty want to give me money? <laughs> I, I don't even think I have that much to spare. Rusty, I mean, you need to buy bullets, by the way. You need to buy what? Bullets. Mullet is what I'm hearing. The hairstyle bullet. from the 80s. Bullet. Bullets for bullets. your gun. Bullets for your gun. Bullets Oxygen. and then a mullet. Ah, for my one gun, yes, I do. Very good point. You're totally out of ammo. Uh, most yes. of you guys don't have that problem. However, some of the special yeah, yeah. weapons you guys have, Wait, like the no. flamethrowers and stuff, those all use special ammo. Well, one of the guns I gave to uh, Chris, he's got that. But the other one, what, that's Which right. one? Uh, just one of my uh, actual impact ones. The, the the bullets. The physical bullets. Oh, yeah. Do, do you want that back? No, no. That's all yours. Oh, God. I wish you guys could use long arms. Forget long arms. I could give you so many weapons. I could give you so many weapons if you had long arm proficiency. Uh-huh. What's Jason doing? He's so quiet. Well, I got, I've got a I've got a list going here. I think I got it pretty much straightened out. I want things, but I don't have enough money. By the way, thanks for telling us about that uh, personal upgrade thing. Yeah, why wouldn't I? Huh. I was uh, I was gonna go with uh, I was gonna go with the Estex suit too. Yes. Because that's like four extra armor class based on. Oh, wow. What the... and, and an extra upgrade slot. What level is that? Like level four, level five. I forget. Nice. You actually can sell your old armor, don't forget, and get some money for it too, by the way. 
I hadn't factored that in yet, but okay. No, I meant for uh, John. John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I should. Yeah, if that doesn't complicate things, I, I might as well do that. I was going to get one healing serum Mark II, just as an emergency. How much do those cost? Like four hundred fifty or something. Four, they're pretty. They're pretty expensive, they're but yeah, they ain't, they're they're uh, they ain't cheap. And I was going to get four Mark Ones just to have some on my person, even though we have a group cache. And I was going right. to get four frag grenades and the uh, personal upgrade, which I was probably going to use on decks. Well, make sure you ask me for your, your healing before you use yours. I know, but I just want to have a couple on me just in case we yeah, get separated. Sure. Yeah. Mo literally has going across his chest. <laughs> Bandolier? Bandoliers. Yeah, of a uh, uh, little healing. Yeah, 10 on each side. That would be an awesome uh, character sketch. That's what you <laughs> have. He's like, <laughs> he's like, God, <laughs> 20 of them, it does make sense that that would be like two pounds, you know, or two bulk worth of uh, junk to carry around. I will say the spell amps aren't bad to have. Those are the things that gave you spells. I mean, like cure, you know, those are the things that will cure your um, wounds or cure your, uh, you know, like diseases and stuff. So, I mean, the potions. Yeah. Oh, Jason, I didn't even see that. Is that what you want? Yeah, that was yeah, in the chat, in the group handouts channel. Yeah. How much is the S-Tex suit? 2700 That's like the okay. big ticket item. How much are bullets, by the way? 40 credits for a clip of 30 bullets for a small arm. And I really like how encumbrance is done in this system. Prevents me from carrying around the, the, the general store with me. Yeah, and it's actually, that's extremely well done, especially for yeah. you. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's weird that I can carry any weapon. <laughs> or, or, I'm sorry, it's weird that I can use any weapon but i can't carry <laughs> you know i can i can carry a melee weapon and a gun that's basically it well you can be covered yeah yeah there's there's want to be <laughs> if i were ranged well, you i would get like power armor, wouldn't mind power that. armor gives you yeah huge... power armor is gonna change things yeah it's gonna be a while before i have to worry about that yeah power armor is nuts before a melee uh fighter i don't need a whole bunch of weapons anyway so that that that's fine and actually the cool thing is okay here's a question i have to ask you is do i have to drop my pike to punch something no like, it's it's a one-handed it's a two-handed right. weapon so you could just you can you need two hands free to use it but you can hold it in one hand and just not attack with that's what i thought okay because this is insane. <laughs> my my armor bonus went from for uh, energy it went from two to eight, and for my uh, kinetic it went from four to ten. So I got a six point point bump on each of my uh, armor class. Yeah, it's a big like these levels. They're big. I mean, the armor nice. every two levels it looks like is like a big bump. Luckily, the monsters we're going to fight are at the same level. They've always been. They actually go down in level and get easier. Right. There's just a chance that they might miss. <laughs> I think instead of like maybe a 10% chance, it's now a... 11%? You know, 30... No, I think it's going to be like a 35% chance. I, I, I could take one out of three. That, that, that would be good. 
All right, are you ready to add stuff? Can I do it verbally? All right, so a thing that I'm noticing on my sheet that's not on my sheet that I actually do have is I do have a semi-automatic tactical pistol, which is Rusty's pistol. Yeah, that's uh, it's on your weapons, but I can add it. Hold on. You, you have the hardest sheet. Hold on. I know, because I have a lot of shit on it. All right, that's added. Uh, okay. What else you want? All right, I'm buying a uh, Estex suit Mark II. You and uh, Tuttle are twin. Yeah, smart. Make sure you get matching because uh, we're smart armor, so you'll look like little twins. <laughs> you'll be like Zan and Jada, the Wonder Twins. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the Wonder Twins. <laughs> All right. So, and my brown uh, force field is going into one of the slots, oh. and then the other two slots. Actually, it's going in two slots, and the other slots. I'm buying a um, infrared sensor. Oh. Does that make Cheddar Gleek the monkey? Yes, it does. I'm afraid. We can't have that then. Yeah, that's 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 an unfortunate side effect. I have like all sorts of pistols, <laughs> guns all over. Okay, I got that. All right, so okay, so now I'm buying a um, I'm buying an arc pistol level two, arc pistol static. How much is that? Seven hundred fifty. It's not bad. It's it's not a great weapon. It's just that's all I can afford. Well, it's not that. It's I'd rather have armor. Your, how much was your armor? Well, with the upgrade, it's twenty nine hundred. Yeah. What it's I, a, I'm, I'm, I always like uh, defense more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I am buying three clips of ammunition for the for these uh, regular pistols, semiotic. That costs uh, forty credits each, so that's one hundred and twenty credits for three clips of thirty rounds each. Doesn't sound like a lot. I'm not. It's not my primary weapon. Oh, it's okay, just if okay. it's just if. Hey, that's immune to fire, so I'm going to pull out a different gun. What is it you're buying? What's it called? Is it small uh, arms rounds? Yes, yeah, small arms rounds. Three of those. Yes. I'm buying another battery. For like six. Ten. We have a million batteries. Wait, do, we, do we have a million batteries? Yeah, we. you don't need batteries. Well, I, how many do I have on my sheet? Because I want more on my sheet then. Uh, I think I've... I think I only have... You have... You actually have... Well, I'll go through it all. You have like four. But some of them are being used. So like three... like. Three extra, maybe, or two extra, something like that. I gotta go through them. We can recharge those, can't we, though? Yeah, yeah you can recharge them. Yeah. I have four on my sheet. I want a couple more, though. If we have them lying around, I want to be carrying more, because I'm going to be using a uh, lot. I'll go through it, and I actually have that on another sheet, but I'll, I'll organize uh, all Mo has right, 20 batteries on his... It's not 20. Uh, that's one battery. It's 20 charges. It's the way the program works. Uh, 20 okay. equals one. All right, so, so so forget that. I'm not going to buy batteries then. Um, but I will buy a uh, petrol tank. One petrol tank. That's for the flame pistol. Nice. <laughs> nice. So I have a laser pistol, an electric pistol, a flame pistol, an arc pistol, a, uh, a tactical bullet pistol, and a needler pistol. <laughs> Dude, how can you carry all that shit? I mean, there's no way. Like, what is your... <laughs> You're going to be able to carry, like, two of those pistols oh, no, i carry all uh, sorts do you of have pistols. an arc pistol arc pistols are really cool. i just had to buy one rusty oh, oh that's great They're, aren't they really cool yeah wait wait wait, wait. do you want a tactical arc emitter that's a long arm though yeah. oh never mind i can only use like pistols and daggers <laughs> and and i can use uh i can use a sniper rifle which i almost bought one because they're only 750 but I don't have enough. So you have the S-Tex suit, infrared sensors, the arc pistol, rounds, petric tank, anything else? Um, you can put the ion stone on my sheet. Yeah. 
Oh, well, what, another thing I am going to do is I'm going to take the Needler pistol and I'm loading it with a Mark One healing serum from the community bank. So you're taking one of John's? Yes, because what yeah, that'll do yeah, is yeah. that'll allow me to heal someone from range if I have to. Oh, really? Yeah, I can shoot you. Um, shoot Chris is the healer. Chris is the healer. You know what? If it comes down to that, you should probably... Load it with a big one? Yeah, because okay. you'll never use that not in combat, and you might as well... Yeah, that's a good point. I will do that. And if someone gives me one, I don't have one. I don't have enough credits to buy. Uh, you... God... See, I'm the one who's going to need it, and I might as well give my... Yeah, all right, I'm going to give it to you, <laughs> okay? But, I mean, are you going to be carrying that? Well, actually, you don't care yeah. about encumbrance. Uh, yeah, all right, I'll give you mine. If, I do care about encumbrance, okay. but my, my things weigh very little. Like, a semi, like the pistols are one are light. Yeah, they're one each, but no, you can only light. carry how much? Six? No, no, they're light. They're point one. What? A pistol? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. In that case, yeah. I will give you my uh, my Mark II healing. Okay, and I load that into the Needler, and that'll be like the emergency. And, and let everyone know that. Like, it's over here right. on my body. Like, if, if I'm the one who's down, like, it can be used by anyone. I mean, the weird thing about yeah. it is you actually shoot them, and they take damage. What do you mean? Like, if you get hit with this pistol, you take 1d4. <laughs> But really, that's what that's, that's and, and what's then designed. the healing potion goes off, and then you, and then the healing goes oh, off. Yeah, geez. so you kill them, then heal them. Okay, it's wow. I don't. That's what it's designed for. It's weird, but yeah, that's it makes sense. It's kind of cool. And how much money do I have left? <laughs> are you calculating how much are those stat boost things cost? Fourteen hundred. Oops, I don't have enough. I think I have a thousand forty-five left. Well, if you sell your armor, how much is your level one armor? Don't you have? A couple armors, though. I do. They're worth such crap, though. Yeah. I mean, you only need 300 or 200 or uh, well, three and change. Three and change, yeah. I don't think it's going to make it, though, because they're, they're like 10 or 40 or something. Yeah. I could buy a sniper rifle, though. Because you are, uh, you're nearly as good as Clara. Oh, yeah. shit. Chris? What? I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Uh, healing, because oh, I didn't? need. You know, yeah, I uh, I needed to get that. Uh, upgrade. All right. Well, I'll, I'll load it with one of the Sorry. one of the smaller ones then. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's the kind of thing that so you shoot someone with that because they're going to die like imminently, like they're yeah. bleeding out and dying. And I can't Although, get man, to take one to four damage to get one to eight. <laughs> actually, That's true. Actually, that could, that could actually just. Well, but doesn't it stabilize you though? I think it stabilizes you though. Uh, I think getting healed. Yeah. Right, let me let me read the needler pistol and see yeah. what that does. Exactly. What the hell is that for exactly? I think you can put poison in there, but poisons or healing serums. Actually, I believe I think you can use it either I way. Right. I think that's right. Well, when we get some money, that'll be like something we can get if we if we can get something. If we get yeah. some station, you know, probably the first like party loot type of thing to. Or we might be at the level where we start finding those things, you know? Needler pistols use magnetic fields and pressurized gas to launch darts that eject a substance into the target. The ejection gun can be fitted with cartridges containing medicine or poison. Favorite of assassins and battlefield medics. That's odd to me that it does damage. I guess 1d4 is considered like nothing. Like like if you put like a Mark Three healing serum in when you're at super high level, it's like who cares about the 1d4 you take? 
That is pretty funny, though. It's crazy how, like, for melee weapons, for operatives, it goes from 95 credits, and the next one you can get is 6,000 credits. Just to reiterate, uh, Mo did not buy the Mark II healing in order to... Yeah, I know Okay, but I do believe I bought the InfraVision upgrade. Is that correct? Nope. No? You cannot afford it. You'd have to get rid of the InfraVision upgrade and And the 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 serum... Okay. All right. I just want to make sure I'm right two. on my sheet. Okay, that's fine. You have only the Lashenta Ringware two, the Tactical Pike, the Mark one upgrade, and twenty serums of healing. That's it. That's all you got. You don't have the infrared. And well, how much uh, do I have left? Because I, if I sell my armor, yeah, you know, I have, I have so many of these long arms. Sell them. No one can use them. Like I, I have, a, I've got one thing I started with. This uh, uh, it has a bulk three. It's a, I don't know. It's like a battery, a gun that I can't use. I can't carry it. I don't know what you're currently wearing. Lushenta one. Lushenta ring wear one is worth forty one point five. Yeah. Okay, so that's forty one. Uh, but how much money do I have right now? Like after I purchased everything. I think it was like 39. All right. You had 30.6 credits left. If you sell okay. the armor, you have 72.1 credits. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to claw my way out of this hole. Okay. Thanks for. So wait, what? What You don't, you, you do not have the infrared upgrade? No, no. How much are you short? Uh, 30. Let's see. If I sell my light reaction cannon, that's 25. Uh, plus 41, that's 66, plus 30, uh, 96 credits. Right. I need 104 credits. All right, I loan you 104 credits. Okay. What Thank are your you. rates of your uh, your loaning? <laughs> I'm just yeah. curious. It's 104 uh, credits. I can afford any rate. Never a, a lender or borrower be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Polonius. <laughs> He's very clear for me. I like the idea that everyone can see in the dark so that we yeah, can be yeah. more stealthy. Well, also, I'm going to be in the front, so it's going to be helpful. Yeah. All right, so wait, what are you selling to do all this? I'm selling the light reaction cannon. All right, you have 97.1 credits, so who's giving you? Hiroji's giving you 105? Uh, yes. Yep. So you have exactly 202.1 credits? And he spends 200 immediately to buy a infrared slot. Yeah infrared sensor for his armor well mo has 2.1 credits to his name yay that's our mo no wonder you need all that free food yeah i'm gonna make that basket last as long as i can well i already guaranteed i'm getting you donuts tomorrow you're you're like you're like a college student like living on uh like ramen ramen yeah well you know what he's just gonna use his celebrity to get free food at restaurants that's what what can i say you're going to rely on the generosity of others. Yes. <laughs> He's going to trade in on his fame. I'm going to have to buy Hero Lab this week and make it nice. I bought it. I haven't used it yet. Okay. With that, after you go on your shopping spree and get all your upgrades and feel all wonky and happy, you get a missive from Chesek, who wishes to meet with you. Ooh. Uh... That sounds good. What are the uh, details? Where does he want to meet? In his office right away. Ooh. Was he, who is he again? The leader for the Starfinder Society. Your oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. You let's... mean the one who just made a huge profit off of exploiting our image? No, that was. Uh... The proceeds went to the Starfinder Society. Was it that Cor or Tor? Nor. That was Nor. Well, Nor used his camera, but yeah, it went to Starfinder. Oh yeah, he went to. Yeah, Chesek was the uh, bug thing. He's a bug. Yes. No. Anything I can do to help the Starfinders. Yes, that's our motive right there. (laughs) So there we go. The boys have just started book two. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. Looks like they came back and they were quite the celebrities. Did not see that coming. I also like how there was a podcast within a podcast, or should I say, a reality show within the podcast. It was getting a little confusing there, but it's awfully fun. Also, I kept in the shopping spree because that's a big part of role-playing, and we asked a whole bunch of people from the Roll for Combat Discord channel what they thought, and overwhelmingly everyone wanted us to keep it in. So we kept it in. It's not like they do this very often, so I thought it might be fun. And if you don't like it, you can always just skip it. So we have a lot going on, so let's get right to the interview with Jason Keeley from Paizo, where we talk about the new Starfinder Packworlds book, we talk about Pathfinder version 2. We talk about what it takes to make a what it takes to make an adventure path and a whole bunch more. Let's get to the interview. Hey everyone, this is Steve from Roll for Combat and today we have a special guest. We have Jason Keeley from Paizo, who's the Starfinder developer or should I say a Starfinder developer? And he's joining us today to talk about all things Starfinder and maybe a little bit of Pathfinder since there was some big news recently. And thanks for joining us, Jason. Uh, Pleasure to be here. So first up, could you tell us who you are and what you do at Paizo so everyone knows? Okay. Uh, Well, uh, as you said, um, I'm a developer um, and I didn't always, I I didn't start out that way. Um, I actually started off as an editor here at Paizo about three years ago. Um, and I just kind of, at one point, they were like, hey, you know, we're making the Starfinder game. You want to help? And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Um, and then it kind of snowballed from there. Uh, at this point, uh, I am working mostly on the adventure paths. So also, you have an interesting road on how you got to Paizo. Because you sort of actually did what everyone dreamed of. You actually were a freelancer. You entered the, what is it, the RPG Superstar Contest. And then you were hired. So could you talk about that? Because that's like everyone's dream, I imagine. Yeah, it's actually like that's uh, the way that's a that's a good story to talk about. But it's actually a coincidence uh, more than anything. I was doing, um, I actually decided my old job. I didn't want it anymore. I'm going to get a new job. And then, you know, for a couple of years, I was applying to a bunch of different places, RPG related, board game related, that kind of thing. Um, and then I applied to an editor position at Paizo uh, one summer. And uh, because it was a contract position and I would have had to have moved from New York to Seattle, they were like, well, it might only be for six months, so we're not going to offer it to you. Um, but, uh, you know, here's, uh, start doing some freelance for us, you know, talk to the to managing editor, uh, get some editing freelance, get some writing freelance. And so I did that. I started doing that. Um, a few months later, RPG, RPG Superstar started happening. And I was like, oh, well, I should start doing this again. I had done it a couple of years previously and didn't get very far. So I was kind of like, well, I don't want to do it anymore. Meh, meh, meh. Um, so I figured, well, maybe this time I could, I could get a little further and I actually did. And then coincidentally, an editor position opened up and I took it. <laughs> but it, did, it didn't hurt that I was doing well in RPG Superstar. 
Okay. Did you have to withdraw because you're like, oh, sorry, guys, I, uh, I got hired by Paizo. I can't be in it anymore. Uh, 100%. I was actually on a, uh, I'd gotten the job offer right before I left for a cruise. And so on the cruise, I had to like hunt around to get internet to basically be like, oh, uh, well, let's see here. Who do I talk to? Who do I tell that I have to drop out? And the, the people, Owen Stevens, who was running it, knew that I was being hired, but I had to basically go to the forums and be like, oh, for unrelated reasons, I have to drop out because I'm going to be moving soon. And that's all I said. Um, so, but then once, once it was sort of made more official, made more public, I could be like, well, it was because I got hired. And then everyone hated you because they're like, wait a second, that's not fair. Why weren't we hired? We're in the superstar too. We're in the top eight. What happened? Just, just had to, I was working on it before this superstar contest even happened. So I guess you got to just keep bugging them for about a year. Well, it wasn't even that long, but uh, yeah, for, for months later. Yeah, but I just even wanted to bring that up because and you hear this all the time because people are like, well, how do you get into the industry? And John has a similar story about how he got hired from Blizzard. It's like, you just got to be doing it. Like if you sit there saying, oh, I want to get, you know, I want to join this company. And then you don't do any of the actual work, like whether it's making video game levels or writing role-playing adventures or supplements, like you're not going to get hired. It's just that simple. Like you need to actually be doing it, even if it's on your own. It's 100% true. Yeah, John was doing mods. I mean, John, do you want to give like your quick story? Yeah, I mean, well, I was doing mods just for the, uh, the joy of it. My real job didn't have a lot of creativity. So for like like four and a half, five years, I was just building 3D levels. And then by the time I was done, I was like, wow, I, uh, well, I wasn't done. I was still doing it. And then I had a portfolio, it turned out, and uh, got a job at Blizzard. Yeah, it, it, it didn't hurt also for me that for previous to all of this, uh, I had basically formed my own role-playing game company and um, about five years before that. Uh, and we had started off by doing a D20 product that I wrote an adventure for, and I did a lot of editing for the main book. And then a, a year or so after that, we put out our like an original game. Uh, it's called Fortune's Fool, um, and uh, it's a, like a tarot-based role-playing game system. Um, so I had like physical copies of things that I could show people, like, "Hey, I worked on this. I edited this. I did the layout for this. I, you know, wrote for it." Yeah, that's actually pretty important to actually have something to show because, and especially if it's polished, it has to be polished, you know, and and you being an editor is especially good because they can, you know, you're almost fire and forget, you know, they can trust you to actually (laughs) do things the right way without having to clean up your mess over and over, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of the other editors, uh, the, the current editors have said in a lot of ways. Of like, we're, we like it when editors become developers because then the stuff that they develop ends up being generally cleaner. Not that we don't have great other developers who weren't editors beforehand, of course, but... Right. And, and getting something over the finish line is especially important because a lot of people will start and stop things. And they'll have a portfolio of a whole bunch of this and a whole bunch of that, but none of it is actually really there's not a lot of iterations on stuff and if you've actually published something you know with your own effort then chances are it's going to be something that's a professional level quality and that's really what's rare actually in the industry oh yeah and our, our fortunes full game won in a judge's choice any that uh, a bunch of years ago so nice. not not bad um 
I can tell you a, like about I have a, at least a dozen projects that I have started and have never finished. So right. and, you know, just just because I finished a few things doesn't mean <laughs> I finished everything. So I was actually really excited to have you on the show just because we love adventure paths and I hear you love adventure paths too. And of all, you know, it's like, I, I just love them. Like, you know, it's like, it's a larger story. It's, you know, broken up. It gives your characters room to grow. You know, you could actually advance them. It's like when in the old days, when you did adventures, it felt like, uh, like a book of short stories with like the common character. Like you went a little adventure and then it was over and then another adventure. And it was just like, it was kind of disjointed, but that's why I like the adventure paths is you can tell these large overarching gigantic stories and have your characters really develop and change over time. So I just wanted to talk to you about like the process, like how it actually works at Paizo. Like what, what do you do? How does it, how does it all come together? Uh, it's a it's a long, exciting, hopefully process. And uh, the uh, I've uh, like you said, I have I've read all of the Plaisos Adventure Paths ever since they were started nine years ago or whatever it is. Um, and uh, I've always enjoyed just sort of just reading them. I, I've run a number of them, and so I was excited to sort of work for this company, being that they produce the exciting quality that I had enjoyed so far uh, beforehand. Um, but the adventure path all starts with a, a, an idea. Obviously, we have to come up with these ideas. What what's this one about? Is this one you know this one is about a super weapon from from beyond the stars, or is this one about uh, overthrowing a, a country? Or this is the horror one that is about a spooky you still love, or is this one is about mummies? Right. So once once that is done, we take. We figure out, we have to break it down into each volume. What happens here? What happens in volume two? What happens in volume three? What happens in volume four? Um, and once we have done that, we write a big outline that explains everything um, for the most part. I mean, we leave some stuff up to the writers, but we just sort of give you the sort of, what are the high points that we want to hit? And then we start finding authors. Authors send us they, what they think the specifics of this might be. Hey, this person's going to be named this. So there's going to be like three encounters with elementals over here, uh, that sort of thing. Um, I will uh, being the sort of the adventure path developer for Starfinder at the moment. Uh, one of one of two, uh, basically. And um, once I get those outlines, I approve them. I say, oh, this. Oh, I have concerns about this. Go go this direction instead. Uh, then they take it back and then they write a bunch. And then I get it. I get their raw tone over and then I check through to make sure it all syncs up with the rest of the stories because an adventure path being several volumes that has to kind of flow from one point to the other. And a lot of the times we're asking six authors to write six different adventures simultaneously. So if you're writing volume three, you might not have any, you'll have the outline for number two. You'll know what the general gist is, but you haven't seen the text. So you don't necessarily know how it ends or how it begins. So there's a lot of basically stitching up a Frankenstein's monster sort of thing for that, that I do. So with the adventure paths, um, I know they've gone through quite a number of iterations. Like the first adventure paths, I remember, really were almost like six disjointed adventures that were sometimes very closely connected, but sometimes they were more like, you know, loosely connected. And I remember there was, I forget which adventure path it was. It might've been Karen Crown where there was like nothing to do for rogues. I remember that there was like, basically rogues were completely forgotten in that adventure path. And I remember at um, Gen Con talking to some of the Paizo guys about this 
And then with Iron Gods, I saw a new structure where you guys, that was, you know, the beginning of like a real difference in the venture paths is that it was almost like a trilogy where you had books one and two sort of have a main baddie, books three and four have a main baddie, books five and six have a main bad guy. So it's sort of like a trilogy with an overall story. And it just had a more structured feel to it. And um, it just seems like that's sort of been the way you've been going. It's like going from sort of a loose story to a much more structured, very organized story that has, a, you know, like three chapters or three main um, points to it, like a trilogy. Well, I don't think that like the process had changed much uh, over the years, um, uh, but it generally we've had more people and uh, working on these and more I- people to bounce ideas off of and more brainstorming sessions. So I think over the years, they've just, we just gotten to refine the process just through experience alone. And um, I think it's sometimes it maybe seemed like it is I mean, not necessarily easier to write an adventure, to do six adventure paths. So this, this one takes place at this section and you don't ever go back to this area of the, the world. Number two takes place in this area. Um, but uh, the crafting that longer sort of more connected story is, is, is difficult. So I don't want to hog this all up since every one of these guys has played a trillion adventure paths, especially uh, Chris and Bob. If you guys have any general questions about adventure paths, you've always wanted answered. Yeah, now is your time. Well, actually, my first question is just, are you going to, well, this is actually the spoiler one based on what were plans for uh, creating new adventure paths for the original Pathfinder once Pathfinder version two comes out. I don't think this is going to change at all. We want to be able to tell the same kinds of stories, um, essentially. Like that, the venture paths are kind of you know Paizo's flagship product in a, in a way. Um, uh, when you get past the sort of meat of the role playing game, but because that's what people like to buy, people like to read this, read read through them, even if they're not playing them. Um, so I don't think that's going to change much. We're going to just have to integrate the new mechanics, and I don't think that's going to be a problem. Sounds good. Yeah, that's good. How long does it take a, to write an adventure? Like you said, you have six people working at the same time. Like from the from the very first meeting that you have pitching the uh, the adventure uh, to to the final draft. Like how long do do people have to work on things? We try to give authors about six to eight weeks to write um, uh, an adventure path, and that's for the the Starfinder adventure paths are a bit shorter. They're you know ranging about 25,000 words, whereas the Pathfinder Adventure Paths are at like 40, 42,000 words. So I think the Pathfinder Adventure Paths, maybe we give them an extra week or two to write. Uh, but for the most part, we're looking at this stuff almost a year in advance. Um, just before starting here, I got out of a Starfinder Adventure Path meeting for the Adventure Path that launches next February. So oh, wow. we haven't, you know, that, that, that was all the brainstorming session. So we, we, we start early. Oh, can can we brainstorm too? Can we give you some ideas? <laughs> yeah. Give me all your ideas. I won't tell you what the adventure path is about, but tell me what it is. Just go. Riff. What do you like? What's your favorite um, thing? Um Interstellar Gambler. You have to like knock over a casino, join the mob. Eventually you get involved with political corruptness and you like overthrow a government. There you go. I'm gonna be stealing all these ideas, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> Uh, how 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 long does it after they write it? Like how long does it take before it's like like you said uh, in February? Is 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 a substantial part of that time just the adventure in the can, ready for release, or do does it get play tested? Like what what are the blocks of time that it takes to do something like that? Uh, we sort of kind of leave it up to the author to make sure that it like 
if the author has time to play test that they should, we don't really have time to play test every adventure that we, they write. Um, we do like to bounce ideas. you know, we're always thinking of player sets, player mindsets and whatnot and how that, how it goes across. So in a lot of ways we, you know, feel like we have a, have a fair grip. I mean, obviously everyone, every group is going to break an adventure path at some point because everyone has an idea that no one has ever had before. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. Um, so, Will there ever be an adventure path made without haunts? Because I don't like haunts. Dead Sons doesn't have, uh, I mean, it has about 12 haunts in it. <laughs> I do not like haunts. Haunts? Yes. We know you don't like haunts. Well, Starfinder doesn't have haunts as a, as a concept. <laughs> yeah, I don't yet. remember haunts in a long time, yeah. Well, haunts were started out as a good idea. It's like, oh, it's an environmental trap, except they were never fully flushed out, ever. And it's sort of like, well, well, how do you get rid of them? And there's no way there to... are there are ways to get rid of them, and they're, sure. they're usually quite um, specific. And you, a lot of times you can figure it out, but it's um, it, but, it, right. it is an but annoyance. It's, yeah. it's not like a trap where you disable it. I've seen, I've, trust me, I know. It's like I've seen haunts where it's like, oh yeah, you have to go find the person's skeleton, and then you have to bury it on church ground. Like, oh come on, come on, <laughs> are you really kidding? Are you kidding me? Uh, and just, the other side, yeah. haunts were mostly used in that uh, the adventure path, which was meant to Carry draw around. upon horror tropes. I mean, it was intended to actually be part of that that verb. I mean, that, they pop up in a lot of adventure paths. It's a it's a good low level uh, encounter, which actually would lead me to the question of building uh, Starfinder uh, concepts in the future. Jason is like, what other science fiction tropes do you plan on bringing on? I mean, you certainly have the dark tapestry as the Cthuloid science fiction tropes. You certainly have spaceships, but obviously it's a vast field. Oh, yeah, there's all sorts of, I mean, I'd like to be able to try to hit a lot of the sci-fi tropes over the next couple of years, however long I'm, doing, I'm going to be doing this. Um, so I'm hoping we can hit... Um, Genetic engineering gone wrong. I'm hoping we can hit terraforming planets. I'm hoping we can go towards maybe time travel. I kind of have a bug about time travel. All right. That would be cool. Go back to Pathfinder Galarian. Or yeah, maybe not back. that kind of time travel. Or go back. <laughs> Are there going to be space hippies at any point? <laughs> like, I think there might already be one of the planets has some kind of like space hippie styles. Well, I would imagine the time travel concept would be you go back to the gap and find out what happened, right? Well, you know what will happen. You're going to go back pre-gap. You'll have this amazing adventure. You'll come back forward and you'll just you'll forget everything. You'll never really remember. And then you all go back to level one. That would be fun. Do an entire adventure path, get all the way up to level 15, and then at the end, it was all dream. <laughs> all right. That's bad. That's lazy writing. That's, that's, that's wonderfully horrible for the players and wonderfully evil for the GM. I love it. Taking notes, Jason. Come on, you got to. Yeah, I'm taking notes. I got, it, I got it all down. <laughs> yeah, those are some doozies. Oh, don't forget robots running amok and taking over. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jason, now that you're being recorded, Star Trek or Star Wars? Go, pick one. Oh, oh uh, no. Yeah. Um, gosh. You can I take the fifth. It's quite all right. I don't. I don't. I. I can't. I can't pick. I like them both equally. I, like I think. Both, Very so. good. Correct answer. All right, how about this? Buck Rogers or Battlestar Galactica? Not the new one, the 80s version. Ah, that's tough. Buck, Buck Rogers, then. I don't think I've really seen too much of either of them. So, but if I had to pick, I don't know. 
weird weird dogs, weird robot well, weird dogs. dogs and well, women they in both had weird pan. robot dogs. Let's yeah. be fair. Oh, that's a good point. And I plead the fifth. <laughs> He's like, okay, get me out of here. I can't keep answering these questions about terrible science. Old science fiction. Yes, I Seventies, maybe even. Yeah, much of which has been updated extremely well in the last 15 years. I'm sorry. The original Battlestar brought us the extremely good new Battlestar. So there it is. I wouldn't go. Except they had a plan, except they didn't have a plan. Well, the writers didn't have a plan, but the Cylons theoretically. Aren't the writers the Cylons? Well, let's not go there. So one thing I wanted to ask you, Jason, is that, and I talked about this way back, is the first adventure paths always seem to have to be a couple of tropes since they're such low level. You always have to have sort of like an investigation trope, which is usually kind of safe because then you can get them from level one to level two without too much fighting and it's a little bit more role playing. You have sort of the dungeon crawl trope, which is traditional, um, but then you're fighting like very low level creatures. And then you can have, actually, those are the two main ones I can think of off the top of my head. Is there like, is it always sort of like, oh, we always have to start them off doing one of these two or three things almost always because they're just such low level? What becomes tricky is you have to, you don't have to necessarily do a dungeon with rats and then a, or an investigation where you get a bunch of story award stuff. But, but the tricky thing is to finding out why your first and second level PCs are able to defeat whatever it is they're going up against. So maybe it's, you know, oh, these, you're going into an area where the soldiers are very, very inexperienced and then write the story around that. Why, why are they going in there doing that? Or they're going into an area where, you know, we have our low CR goblins. They have to fight some goblins. Hooray. Or, or something else like that. that. That's always the tricky part. But I don't think it, I, I think you can do a lot of stuff as long as it doesn't break the suspension of disbelief for the players. So I wanted to talk about your adventure path. Because you wrote the newest one, The Dead Suns, The Ruined Clouds. And yes. I, I read it, and it's fantastic, guys. There's a lot of really cool original ways for you to die. I love it. <laughs> we can't talk about it, but what do you want to talk about, Jason? Because I think this is your first Adventure Path module that you wrote, correct? Yeah, this is the first one I wrote. It's sort of like I, we came on, we were having to write Starfinder Adventure Path kind of while we were working on the core rule book and all that sort of thing. So all the, um, all, all of Dead Sons is written by people from Paizo. Um, and uh, so, you know, we know what's, you know, not necessarily people have written adventures before, but people who know the system or people who know how we do adventures, that sort of thing. Um, so I just kind of went like, I'd love to do that, please. And there's some, and Rob McCreary, our, our new creative director, who was at the time, who was, just uh, basically been working on Pathfinder Adventure Pass for, for a few years now, was basically on this, because he had the experience, he was good, heading up the Starfinder AP. And he was like, okay, sure, which one? He, I, he gave me a choice of a couple of them, and I was like, hmm, this one here with the hmm, and this, this other thing, I think, I'd like, I think I could do a good, see a good idea with that. And it ended up being that I had to write about two-thirds of the entire book, um, what was like extra monsters in the back, and then a, you know the spaceship that comes with every volume the the article in the back that uh, explains the city where you are that sort of thing so it was an undertaking for sure How, what levels does that span that is seven to eight i think like what are the popular levels that you uh, enjoy writing uh, adventures for i mean i i feel like i could it I haven't I haven't written enough adventures to decide what my oh, what my okay. favorite area is at the moment. 
because uh, right after finishing this one, I actually uh, actually ended up writing a volume of Return of the Rune Lords, which was I think actually like twelve to thirteenth or something like that. So slightly higher level, and I'm like, oh, and also Pathfinder. So I had to like completely shift gears and spend another uh, two right. months writing that. And then I also wrote at, right right around that same time the um, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there will be a I'll just say it. There's going to be a, a Starfinder adventure for free RPG day. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Oh. All right. Cool. I wrote that. Wow, you've been busy. The, the last six months of 2017, I was super busy. So I wanted to ask about the Adventure Pass. It's funny. when One gripe I have with some of the Pathfinder ones, especially at the higher levels, is because it's the medium advancement track, there's a lot of filler. And then, you know, when you read them all the time and you play them, you can tell. Like, you can just tell, like, oh, there's a huge dungeon you have to go through to get to the end and kill 15 monsters because we have to get you up to the next level. And it just, you know, that that's a real problem. And one of the things about Starfinder, like, because of the fast advancement track, I don't know whether it was accident or on purpose, you can actually, there's not a lot of fat on the bone. It's almost all meat. They're much leaner. They're just like, you know, it's just a better experience because of it. And I don't know if that was an accident, a happy accident or intentional, but there's a lot of leftovers, a lot of extra stuff in Pathfinder Adventure Paths that, to be honest, you can just totally skip and it really wouldn't matter too much. And you just make sure they have enough you know, XP to get to the next level. Yeah, that's, that's kind of an artifact of the three, three, oh, three, five days kind of thing. Well, basically, I think I think the Starfinder thing was basically a happy accident. We had fewer people working on Starfinder in general. Had to had everything out so the volumes are slimmer, so the adventures need to be shorter. Um, and so we decided that I think, and we had to come up with a new. We couldn't use the exact numbers for XP. I think that are in Pathfinder. Um, so we had to use different, slightly different numbers. And so we decided we would only have one track. Otherwise, we'd have to make up three different sets of numbers for like fast, slow, and medium, or whatever. So we, so we picked those, and, and then from here, from there on out, we were able to sort of say, oh, okay, well, we can, we can fit two, vo- two levels in an Adventure Path volume, basically, or essentially go to, go to a third level, but not actually play in it. And you need X number of XP, and that's how it works. So let's talk a little bit about the new one. So Against the Aeon Throne is coming out in the summer, and that's going monthly, and that's only three Adventure Paths which I actually think is pretty good because six sounds good until you spend three years trying to finish it. And then by the time you get to like, you know, after the first year or two, you feel an itch to play something else. So it's almost like, was it Dragon's Domain? Is that what it was called? That was the one that, yeah, yeah that, that was almost, that I think it was, that was levels one through seven as well. So it's almost like that size, which sounds like a nice size too. It's one of those things when I heard it, I'm like, oh, three. And then I'm like, you know what? Actually, that sounds pretty good. It's an experiment. It, it, because we have decided Starfinder has been so popular to take the AP to a monthly schedule, we kind of perforce needed to split it up a little bit, try, try this out because of, you know, hey, what can we get? We, oh, all of a sudden we need to basically do twice as much work on the AP as we had had previously. What can we get done? Uh, we can do, we can start this thir- three volume one and start getting it written really quick. So uh, that, that was the decision that was made that. And the new, Path against the Aeon Throne sees us bring in one of our larger threats, um, the Islanti Star Empire, who are basically, you know, the Empire from Star Wars, a little bit Nazis. They're, but they're baddies. And they're pretty expansionist. But in a three-volume set, we can 
you can you can kind of meet them, but you don't you're not going to defeat them, right? It's 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 maybe in a six volume you'd be like, oh, eventually you kill the Aeon Emperor, whoever he is, right? Now that would be too much for the it would change the entire setting. But in a three volume one, we can you can kind of like do some surgical strikes, get in there and get out, just get something done that defeats the Aslanti and and whatever it is that they're doing. And then from there, we're going to pick up another three-volume adventure path, which we will be announcing probably at PaizoCon, and I'm very excited about it. Maybe because this is this one, uh, I am I wrote the outline myself. Like I, I, that's, that's the first one that I had was my idea. I wrote the outline for it. I got the authors, you know. So it's it's my it's my baby. He's taking over the world. Well, actually, that leads me to. A question about like the plan for Starfinder as a story going forward. I mean, Pathfinder's world of Galarian was written so you had stories in every nation that would work. But another way that other companies have done is White Wolf did Vampire the Masquerade as a story with a beginning, middle, and the end. And they actually ended that world at one point. Do you know with Starfinder how you want to do this? I think we're going to stick to the sort of the Pathfinder way of doing things in that there's like, here's a whole vast... Well, we have a whole system, the Pack World system, which has a whole lot of plot hooks everywhere, and then and and then we have an entire galaxy outside of that to tell any kind of story we want in, in any fashion. So we can go outside of the Pack Worlds to, the, to a, a planet you've never heard of and have a whole adventure there, have a whole adventure path there, right? So we're not gonna. I don't. We don't have any plans. I'm like, and then after three adventure paths, we shut the whole thing down. No. So well, I, I didn't expect that. I just meant, did you have if you had an idea of like some some points you wanted to head towards? I, I don't. I, at the moment, we don't have any big sort of like signposts of like. Well, at this point, we're going to change the setting in this fashion. It, it, that doesn't mean we won't do it if we decide to think that it's it's something we need to do. For instance, if, after all this time, and uh, and Pathfinder Taldor is changing. Uh, nice. Yeah. So uh, the War for the Crown Avenger path that also began in February starts off with you know the old king dies and then you basically have to put someone else on the throne and that's going to be what happens from here on forward. And they do st- they do some stuff in organized play too that's sort of overarching things, right? Yes, the organized play seasons definitely have a story that that changes how Pathfinder society in the world works often or. That sort of thing. Eventually, we have our and Starfinder Society is doing the same thing with um, the Year of Scoured Stars, which I'm sure uh, John has told you all about. Eventually, that 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 answer that mystery might get answered. I don't know. I don't. I'm not privy to exactly what they're doing, but uh, they have those. At least the, the, some kind of wrap up. We'll find we'll find that wrap up at PaizoCon. Um, I don't know uh, how they're announcing the. Um, season i what i forget if they i think they might be announcing oh of course they'll have to announce season two for starfinder at PaizoCon. yes and we will all be there at PaizoCon, so we can yeah. all play Yay. together yeah gonna be so much fun so um i also want to talk before we talk about the uh, pathfinder i almost forgot about pack worlds it's like oh you guys have a brand new hardcover book <laughs> coming also out that yeah in a few weeks actually and that's a big deal because like we're starved for anything starfinder and this one sounds awesome yeah in a few weeks i mean i i have a copy of it here in my hand so nice. how do we get photocopies <laughs> of that take pictures email. <laughs> you've seen the art in the blog that i posted uh early last week yeah i saw it it was it's nice but that that that's just the, that's just art Where's the book? Where's come on? It's coming. It's coming. You'll get yours. But I have mine now. 
All right. Well, then start <laughs> reading. Start on page one. Just keep going. In the beginning. It's the books on tape version of Pack World. <laughs> Forgetting my free one, can I mention that it's coming out on my birthday? I get, I get special uh, treatment for... <laughs> So what can you say? I know there's some um, there's some new races. There's some new there's 14 worlds. Like you probably can do a better job than I can. Yeah, let me give you the the, the, the pitch because actually, and I realized that I'm actually the develop. I was the development lead for this book too. So uh, we have each each of the pack worlds, which there are 14, and that is including the sun because there is something in the sun that you can go to and visit. We have a nice uh, map, full co- full page, full color map. Uh, a sort of gazetteer that explains all some exciting sites with lots of little plot hooks here and there, uh, sort of a general overview of the planets, who lives there, and what the geography and weather is like, and that sort of thing. And then for each world, we also have one new theme, and these range a, a gladiator theme for the blood sports on Akaton, a corporate agent theme for Absalom Station, a what was the what was the other one? A uh, dragon blooded theme for Triaxis, the planet of of dragons and such. Um, so all sorts of things like that that you can sort of play with your character. And you don't have to be from those planets to take that theme. It's just sort of like those are the most closely tied to that planet. That's just chapter one. <laughs> chapter two, uh, uh, chapter one is of course seventy five percent of the book. But uh, chapter two goes into uh, some new starships. Uh, basically, some starship options that you might want to take. We talked a little bit about the drift and how that works in terms of like its planar traits and that sort of. And then we have some new starship options, some new starship weapons, and then five new uh, sets of starships, like we had in the core rulebook for uh, ships from Avalon, Hell Knight ships, Iomedian ships, which you saw on the thing and the on uh, the preview, uh, that sort of thing. So we got like three ships from each faction. Nice uh, with some some beautiful art. Chapter how three. Long, Go ahead, yes. How long does it take to uh, get art? Like you, you mentioned, uh, well, we talked about playtesting. Like how much time is allotted for art? Is that one of the bottlenecks sometimes? Or is that like how much lead time do you need to give artists and how much time do they have to work on something generally? We like to give them uh, uh, an, uh, as much time as possible and so we can see sketches and sort of comment on them and that sort of thing. We uh, generally often have to write a sort of art brief before I finish developing text to be like, oh, I want, you know, these three ships need to look like this. So I have to look at what the, the, the uh, person turned over, the, the, the author turned over, and kind of right. get a general idea and be able to explain it. And, we, you know, we kind of know what things should look like because we're told them to write it. But we, we try to give, a, again, several weeks to two months, I think, for art. Oh, uh, maybe wow. sometimes That's more. Good. That's really um, good, actually. So, sometimes we have to order art really quickly, right? But we try to try not to do that too often. So wait, what was in um, chapter three? Chapter three I can, is I can hear you like very loudly turning the pages in the book. But... Oh, can you? Sorry, that's <laughs> uh, all right. We're like shonk shonk here. Wow. I'm going through the book, and you guys can't look at it. Ha! Huh? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just I'm I'm just a big tease. Chapter three is called supporting cast, and that has uh, basically some more NPCs. Uh, for GMs to use in their campaigns. We have sort of three NPCs per spread about uh, uh, NPCs like cultists or space pirates or law enforcement agencies or criminals, that sort of thing. Um, so these are just sort of nice. This is almost like a tiny, tiny, tiny monster manual. And then we move on to chapter four, which is all of our player options. 
this this thing is chalk. It, well, it's only like maybe like let's see here, twenty pages. It's twenty twenty five pages. It's chock full of stuff. It's got kind of a little bit of everything, uh, and that includes a bunch of new archetypes. I've heard people saying on the boards lately that they don't like the way Starfinder has done archetypes. What do you guys think? What? What's the problem with them? I don't. I don't know exactly. They just don't like because the, they're too generalized. I guess I'm not sure. Um, right, but, yeah, uh, I haven't uh, really messed. I love archetypes in Pathfinder. Like I, I, I try to make the most weird, complex, multi-class character with multiple archetypes. So I do love. I love the way Pathfinder does it. Um, I think. But, I think I know what the complaint is. Is because it's the overall design philosophy of Starfinder is just that things aren't as big. Like you know, like. You know, in Pathfinder, you could have a plus five Vorpal Sword, but here it's like, oh, you're an archetype and you get a little bit of a bonus. You know, like it's everything's like little bits. Like you, nothing is really that big in Starfinder. It's lots of little things that add up to something bigger. And, you know, personally, from a design point of view, I like that a lot more. And I think, you know, in Pathfinder, archetypes were big. Like, you know, there was big differences between the archetypes. But in Starfinder, it's not that much, and uh, you know, it could be a flavor thing. It could be maybe it was the way it was presented. It's just like a name, you know. Like I don't know. I mean, are you I, talking about just the the numeric values, or you're talking about the like both. the the flavor? Both, both, because you know, Starfinder in general just has sort of a more nuanced, less aggressive, you know, method when it comes to numbers. Like you know, the math is much lower in general as opposed to pathfinder yeah that's right. so you know that's just the way it is i mean and you know you can't have everything turned up to 11 i mean it's just like you know that's that, that that's that's the D first edition you know everything's up to 11 and the new ways of like you know 5e and probably what we see from pathfinder version 2 and now starfinder it's more nuanced more linear you know scaling you know not plus fives to everything but maybe a plus one here and there but that's about it you know, that's just, that's just the way it's designed. Well, let me ask you a question, though, because um, what you're calling archetypes in Starfinder... Do, okay, so I'm an operative, and they have different specialization choices. Is that what you're referring to as an archetype? Like Daredevil, uh, Hacker, Ghost, Explorer, those things? Actually, actually, the archetype is like a, a, a different thing that you can bolt onto your character, and, and they basically, essentially kind of let you into... Mostly what we're doing, especially here in Packworlds, are the archetypes are, are connected to different organizations. So we have like a, a steward officer, which is basically like our space police. Or if you want to be um, a, a, a hell knight, we got a little bit of hell knight flavor in here. Where, be... where are those archetypes? Because I'm now I feel like a noob. Because um, are they in the core rulebook? There's only two in the core rulebook, and they're at the end of classes. Yeah, right. there's not a lot there, but I, I knew. Look, the cool rulebook. I mean, we've heard it all before. It was like an 800 page Starfinder rulebook. It had to get down to 500 pages. Yeah. Like something had to get cut. And that I, you could tell that was cut. And they were just going to add it later. And Pathfinder was like this too when it first came out. People forget it took like a year and a half before it started to get some meat. So you that's know. right. Yeah. Uh, we're getting some of that. I mean, 2018, you're going to see some, besides Pack Worlds, you're going to see some other books that are going to really help with filling out those gaps. So that comes out soon. So, all right, here we go. We got to talk. Everyone, so Pathfinder version two. Tell okay. us everything about it. Just, just, just spill your guts. I can't. Ah. I can read. I can read the FAQ <laughs> to you out loud. Why well, publish a new edition? When we created the Pathfinder role playing game back in two thousand and eight, 
Are you, have you all fallen asleep yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because it's one of those things that people talked about. And when Starfinder came out, people were like, oh, is this the playtest for, for Pathfinder? Is it the playtest? And you know what? I hope it is. Because we have played Pathfinder version one to death. I mean, we've played hundreds and hundreds of sessions. And we do love it. But oh my God, if you don't have Hero Lab and an Excel spreadsheet, good luck making a character. It's just very, very hard. And the nice thing about Starfinder is it's the nice balance between very complex and yet very simple. They seem to hit a perfect balance. And if Pathfinder version 2 is anything like Starfinder, I'll be very happy. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah. There, there are some differences. I think Vic works, put it on the, on the message boards, put it the same way. That Starfinder and Pathfinder 2.0 are siblings. They're both children of pathfinder first edition right but they are they have their own differences they're not they're not twins they're both next generation basically they're, yeah they're 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 an evolution of the uh the older sure. system you learn, you learn what works and you keep that and then you learn what doesn't work and you kind of rewrite that so yeah so, so to the, return to your earlier point starfinder is a genetic modification of pathfinder yeah basically it's a it's a mutant <laughs> So the design team uh, who who has been working on uh, the second edition uh, for a while now has has been um, was instrumental in helping us get Starfinder out the door. So you'll see some you might see some familiar things, some some similar DNA to continue the science metaphor. I mean, one of the things they were talking about on the blog was the action economy because the one thing I like about the action economy of Starfinder is that it's quick. Combat goes fast. You know, you only have a move, a standard, a swift, and that's kind of it, you know? And the Pathfinder version 2 is even more interesting because you have three actions. That's it. <laughs> you, and you can do anything you want with those three. If you want to move three times, you can move three times. If you want to pull out an item and then attack something and then open a door, you can do that. That's three actions. And it's just one of those, wow, it's so simple, yet it might just work type things. I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have done some playtesting uh, over the past several months, and it, it works. You'll, I think you'll find um, uh, that it, it, you'll be doing kind of very similar stuff than what you'd be doing in first edition. Moving, pulling a sword out, attacking a person. Great, that's three actions, right? And before you had to worry about like whether one of those is a move action or one of those is a swift action, one of those is a standard action, right? But now, if it's just like, I'm up, I've, the next round, I'm standing next to a bad guy, and I have my sword out, I could just attack that person three times. Granted, I might not be as good on that last hit because of accumulating penalties of, of making multiple attacks in one round. But maybe I've got a feed or two that helps that out. Maybe I've got a weapon that's a little fancier that helps me with those penalties. So it's, it's, it's a lot of... You'll, I think you'll find it familiar um, with, with some changes that, uh, in a way, um, could ease, ease a little bit of the burden of, of trying to memorize that book. And I can say it could have easily, with Starfinder, gotten a lot more complex uh, instead of getting simpler because you're now working with technological items where there's things like ammunition, which was really wasn't a big uh, factor in, in, in Pathfinder and a whole new different categories of weapons. So, yeah, if it's anything, I mean, I, it, it, it'll probably be simpler than uh, Starfinder, honestly, with the number of, uh, you know, it's still staying in the fantasy trope, not the science fiction. So, 
uh, people have been like on the, on the message boards a little bit saying like they don't want a dumb a dumbed down version of Pathfinder, and, and it really isn't. It's just it's just faster, more, faster. It's streamlined so much better. I, I I mean, it's not tons better, but it's just it's it's easier. It's it's better. I mean, one thing also I saw in the playtest was the weapons. John, you like this, or actually we'll all like this. It's very similar to MMOs where you have a normal sword, but then if you have a, I forgot what they called it, like a, um, not a masterwork, but like a master sword, you get a plus one. But then if you have like a epic sword, you get a plus two. If you have a legendary sword, you have a plus three. So any weapon could have that quality, and that's how it gets the pluses to it because it's a better quality. It's sort of like the, you know, rare system in an MMO. Very similar. Yeah, yeah. There will still be magic swords and such, so and armor and shields and stuff like that. Not, n- nothing is changing so radically that you're not going to recognize it. Although 10th level spells, I don't know about that. Uh-huh. That was, that was like a red that. flag right there. Yeah, it was a big red flag. <laughs> What's wrong with 10th level spells? <laughs> I want to teleport to the moon and, and make a clone there. And <laughs> you can do that with 9th level spells. Tensor did that at ninth level. I want to do it so, in one spell. Uh, you don't need to do that spells, at You teleport to the moon and blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. I, I can't say anything about the magic system, as far as I, I mean. I, to be honest, I had didn't play that much. I I played a, a straight sword and shield fighter for most of the play tests, so um, I didn't interact with the magic system too much. I'm looking forward to it. What do you play? Uh, like it's like funny. It's like okay, you guys work there. You're a slave to your passion. What do you do in your free time? In the sense uh, that I know you're in a game, I think with like... Oh. Yes. I just actually started running a Starfinder game for the Starfinder team for the most part and some, some, some extra people. Um, and we are kind of running a little bit through the Starfinder Society scenarios because we don't want them to be siloed away in their own things. We kind of want to know what's going on over there. And we basically, though, everyone wants to use the new stuff, right? So we have a... yeah. <laughs> a new race from Pack Worlds on this team, and a Skatermander, and uh, uh, actually two new races. And wait a second, so, you, you, you you guys don't have the boons for that. You can't be doing that. You, you're cheating. We're not actually playing Starfinder Society. Yeah, you're cheating, <laughs> So you cheat. That was that's yes, what you do cheat. with Paizo. We can, cheat. Oh, okay. we can do that. They're allowed. Well, you you actually do write the rules, so I guess it's not really cheating, is it? Yeah, it's not really cheating. So I I, I try to play, um, and I, I, there's still a. a Second edition playtests going on that I try to get into every once in a while. But uh, a lot of times I am playing board games. I'm playing video games. Watching what movies. board games are you playing right now? I am deep into Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Oh, uh, uh, I, I didn't start it yet. Pandemic, I yeah. Start season two, yeah. Well, don't, don't, I actually have a, a Tumblr where I just, just spoil the thing. So if you want to read my spoilers but don't want to and don't want to play for yourself you certainly can i take pictures of the board and all that stuff so yeah i love those legacy games i'm actually halfway through gloomhaven myself yeah gloomhaven gloomhaven i I, just something about legacy games where i I don't it's not that much different than say like descent was with had it's a campaign and you could you know make your character better and stuff like that but just something about putting stickers on a board and then tearing up a card when it's no longer usable Actually, I, I know, know exactly well, you know where that came right. from, because did research and they asked people what their favorite part about playing a board game was. And the research came back overwhelming that the favorite part of playing a game was opening it up. That was the number one response by a mile. And that's where the legacy ga- came from, because they um, 
Rob was who in charge of that, who started Legacy with like Risk. He saw that and said, okay, let's put as many things that they can open as possible because they reinforces that that feeling. And that's actually where it came from. I, I totally get that. But there's also just something about destroying part of the game permanently. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that too. I like that. Yeah, back in the day when we used to rip up magic cards. Remember that, Chris and John? I remember there was a card, yeah, that said, like, <laughs> tear this card up and, and drop it, and whatever it touches is yeah. destroyed. Chaos Orb. Orb, yeah, Chaos Orb, yeah. Yeah, quick question. What's the name of the boss in Chapter 2, and what's its weakness? Yeah, right. It doesn't have a weakness. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That's the correct answer. Yeah, I mean, anything you guys want to know? <laughs> Look, I'll open it up. Any questions? Any questions? I'm opening up to the floor. I went through mine. About specifically this adventure? I mean, no, 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 in general. No. Uh, well, we've been asking. I, I asked the questions I yeah, had. No, it's, it's, yeah. I actually had my questions. Actually, I'd love to play. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing you at PaizoCon. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing all you guys. We, we may have met in the past. I think we oh, might yeah. have. You, you used to play with Nerd NYC, right? That was pure. Oh, yeah. Do you know Seth? Oh, wow. Seth Lipton? Yeah, I think so. He's a really tall guy, six foot ten. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I know he's talking played about. A, and Chris and I played a long adventure with Rob Tamarco as well. It's shout, shout out to Rob Tamarco. Yeah. Yep. Well, guess what? This is your life, Rob Tamarco. Will you please stand up? What? Hey. Well, hello, everybody. God, no. <laughs> I was wondering oh, hey. who Meats hey. was. Well, ah, you not- get ready for several hours of this. <laughs> Son of a! Yeah. Can I curse? Can I curse on this? Of course. No. no. Say, yes. a, say, a, say a space curse. It's after nine. You son of a Bliznark. Who invited, who invited Rob? What's up, Wait. everybody? Hey, how's it going? Uh, on your podcast, casting your pods. Nice. <laughs> well, you know, we can edit it later. Welcome, Chris, Bob. Hello. Yeah, please don't edit me out. It'll be weird. <laughs> yeah, we won't edit you out. So, for those who don't know. Rob, this is a weird, it's just a circle of life. So Rob and Jason are very good friends. And then Rob played an adventure with Chris and Bob and our friend Seth, who we were just talking about. So we all sort of know each other indirectly, which is just bizarre. Yeah, like a, I know, it's, a cha- it's like a chain of friendship. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, like chain lightning, sure. but chain friendship. <laughs> In my case, I was a member of N- uh, Nerd NYC, but I'll be honest, I didn't show up at a lot of events, just the occasional one. So. I'll forgive you. And then you moved to Cleveland. Yeah, that part was sad. I also forgive Chris for not helping me kill a dragon in the Dragon's Demand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forget. Did I, I, did I show cowardice? I, I uh, no, it wasn't cowardice. The dragon was very, like, negotiatingly evil. Right. <laughs> and you were like, well, you know, if we just give it money, he won't hurt anybody. He just wants this thing. I'm like, it's a dragon. It's Dungeons and Dragons. Please. You should kill it. Yeah. Please. Please. <laughs> please help me kill Wait, Chris, a dragon. Chris was, Chris was actually willing to give money to someone. Yeah. He, was a, he was a bard. He was great. He was a tank for, like, he tanked for us. <laughs> but he would not kill that dragon, and I was mad. But then also, <laughs> he sells meat to people, so I forgive right. him. I do sell meat. Not dragon meat, I wish. Uh, Chris as a tank, let's be clear, was more often than not 
way at the back of the the whole combat, telling everybody else to rush towards the monster and that he'd catch up later. <laughs> I think he had a good tactic. I was supporting people, I believe, was a support. Yeah, he yes. did some body things, and uh, yeah, it was ultimately we had some really good tactics when we fought some undead monstrosity in like a hallway. It was uh, we had a polearm fighter who would reach over the front player who was i think we put the bard in front at that point and i was a cleric just kind of heal bursting or heal damaging and we beat yep. it and it was glorious it was that was those were good times and i was a ranger so i shot my bow and That's in the it. next fight i shot my bow and then you I shoot that bow. bow you yeah. roll those dice and shoot that bow buddy yeah that was my strategy so jason rob is actually also coming to PaizoCon with us i'm gonna be there you broke this news to me, and after he told me he wasn't coming, everyone can oh all play together. We have all the streams crossing. That's great. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be great. We're gonna get so drunk. And Rob has yeah. to share the room with Bob. All right, Bob. Yeah. I just want to let you know I have right. a few things just to cover. Um, <laughs> Some broad rules, right? Uh, I have uh, the something called the night screams. <laughs> the night terrors. <laughs> the, no, the, the night screams. The night screams. <laughs> I just had night no. screams. All of Bob Bob's roommates have the exact same thing. For, yeah, whenever they have to spend with Bob, so that's nothing unusual. Yeah, I'm it's not a problem, especially because I smell terrible. So I yeah, actually I, think this is going to be much Bob's worse. Allergic for you. to water, so yeah. that will fit right in with my uh, uncontrolled flatulence that <laughs> accompany the night screams. Well, let me tell you about my roommate, uh, Mr. Chris Beamer over there. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know a little bit about uncontrolled. We were uh, roommates for a number of years as well. So here we go. That's back in the 90s. Yes. Long time ago. Yeah. And now you're a middle aged man. So it's not prettier than it was then. In different cities. <laughs> That's great. Thanks again, Jason, for joining us and answering those questions. Also, Jason and Rob join us as NPCs in a couple of weeks. They do some crazy stuff, so be on the lookout for that as well. As for the next item on the list, the PaizoCon contest. I bet that got a lot of people's attention. So once again, that's right, we're going to be giving away here at Roll for Combat free airfare to PaizoCon, free hotel room, and a free badge, which includes the banquet. You'll be flying in Thursday, May 24th, flying out Monday, May 28th, and this is open to all residents of the continental U.S. Sorry about anyone else outside. For those of you outside the continental U.S., the flights just have to occur within the continental U.S. So if you live in Canada, you can probably just drive a little, get to the U.S., and then fly from there. So it's not that only people from the U.S. can enter, it's that the flights are only covered so actually, if you do live somewhere else and just want the free hotel and badge and you get here yourself, congratulations, you can still enter. It just won't include the airfare. So how do you enter this contest? Well, first of all, it's going to require you to listen to the show over the next few weeks. And we're going to be asking you questions. At the end of a couple of weeks, we'll be asking you to submit all those answers to all those questions to us. And then we are going to be picking a lucky winner. The second item is you must join and be a member of the Roll for Combat Discord channel. For those of you who don't know what Discord is, it's a combination chat room and bulletin board system. There's a whole bunch of nice people in there. We talk about Paizo products. We talk about role-playing games. We talk about video games. We talk about gaming in general. 
In addition, we play play-by-post Starfinder society games. Maybe we'll expand that into Pathfinder. Who knows, but do join us. To join us, just go to discord.rollforcombat.com and follow the directions to join the Discord channel. So this week's question is, when the PCs arrived back at the station, who were the groupies that showed up for Hiroji? So that's the question. Try not to share that, please, with people on the boards. Again, unless you want to give out the prize to other people, I would suggest you keep that to yourself and just listen to the show. It's not that hard. So once again, do listen next week and we'll have another question relevant to that show. And once you have all of them, we will give you the information on how to enter in a few weeks. So finally, I wanted to thank everyone, especially anyone who's new to the show. Do check us out at RollForCombat.com. On Thursdays, we have a Talking Combat segment in which Jason McDonald goes through each episode in detail, what his thoughts were, and sort of gives you the point of view from a PC. He does a really great job, and it comes out every Thursday morning. Plus, don't forget to go to the Discord channel, not only so you can enter the contest, but we have pictures and maps of everything that occurs. Since it's kind of hard to follow along sometimes, everything you need to know and all the pictures and the maps and the images of the monsters they fight, all of that is on the Discord channel. You can see exactly what the PCs see. Also, don't forget, check us out on Facebook. Do subscribe to us on iTunes, it really helps. Do check us out on Twitter. And we actually have a Patreon. I don't really pump that too much, but if you feel like helping out the show, it does help out. Do contribute to the Patreon. We are going to be giving out some things there. Maybe we'll put out the lost episode of the combat from earlier in this episode that I decided not to include. We also have sometimes extra interview segments that we put up. So we're going to be putting up a little bit more in the near future. Otherwise, have a good week, and I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Roll for Combat, a Starfinder actual play podcast. If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at RollForCombat.com or drop us a line at contact at RollForCombat.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, and other social media platforms. been listening to Roll for Combat. Until next week, always remember Hiroji's motto, I've got the skills to pay the bills. <laughs>